Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Just readjusting here and getting uh, my books and stuff in order. It's it's casual Friday around here, so uh, all kinds of stuff, uh, you know, to do going on. I got a ton of news stories. I got my microphone in the wrong place. Ah, oh, there you go. That's better. Um, so it's just, it's Friday, <laughs> you know, so we're just waiting on, on Tara D to come. So we're going to get our, our pet update, uh, affectionately known around here as the pup date. And so we'll get, uh, get that happening as well. Uh, I think I just got a message at the last minute. Uh, oh, okay. So we shall see what's going on. All right. That's good. All right. So I'm always checking to see who's here, who's not here, because yesterday we had a little problem trying to connect with one of my Canadian guests. And we actually went to the, the direct connect. So I sent her a, an invite uh, and she got the headset and the microphone and it actually worked out really well. So uh, Elise is going to come back and that's going to be uh, very cool. So I don't have official music yet for Tara. So let's give her the, uh, the, the guest of the day. Let me see if I can just find my, my stuff real quickly here, 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 here. Uh, this is another thing I'll get uh, better at is, is alphabets. <laughs> anyway, our, our, our actually our regular report now for Friday is Tara D with the pet update. So I wonder if we have an official name. Uh, I'm going to make her line live so she can laugh and comment you know, as we're going here. Um, but uh, I don't know if we call it the pet update, the pup update, you know, uh, what we're going to do for, for a theme. Uh, so we'll figure something out. Anyway, she's from the Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter. Uh, and there's like three Facebook pages, so I've got to find out which one is the right one that uh, we should go to or do we go to all of them. And this is one of the many things we like to talk about here uh, with, our, with our critters. Good morning, Tara. Good morning. How are you doing this week? I, I think I've got too much adrenaline this morning. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, you know, the mic goes on. It's like, okay, time to talk. You know, I'm like, I've got stuff. Time to talk. No. Get going. Yeah, there were so many stories. Uh, and, of course, you know, people love to talk to me right before showtime. You know, 30 seconds mm-hmm. in, I'm still getting messages. It's like, stop. I can take a three-hour break. I'll be back. Really, I will. Social <laughs> media can wait. It's just, it's just one of those things. Do you find it's that? It's always there, yeah. That uh, no matter what you're well, doing, I think, lot, I think that. Well, I think like a lot of people these days, it seems like, you kind of expect that instant response, you know, because we've kind of been trained for that. So sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, people actually are doing things. you got to wait sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah. we got, like, real life. You know, how did we ever get along before social media? Well, it was easy. We had phones. <laughs> we didn't yeah. talk to a lot of people. Uh, although, I, I, overall, I like it. I really do. I think the, uh, the advantages uh, of having this kind of instant communication, as long as it doesn't burden you in your way, uh, is really mm-hmm. tremendous. And because I can do things I could never do before. Uh, the one thing I, I okay. found from, yeah, from my youth was that, uh, you know, adults were lying to me, you know, on a regular basis, um, all the time, you know, teachers, parents, you know, authority mm-hmm. folks, politicians, everybody was lying to me. And I knew they were, I just couldn't do anything about it because I couldn't verify. And so mm-hmm. with the, what the internet did that I absolutely loved, you know, when it came along, it's so all of a sudden I've got, huh, I got another source of information. I can check these mm-hmm. people out and Absolutely. see if what they're, they're telling me is true. And so for, for those of us that grew up with, uh, you know, libraries and the Dewey Decimal System, and if you want to look something up, it yeah. takes hours. Now it takes seconds. Uh, yeah, if you're, you have a question, you just look it up yeah. on Google and get mm-hmm. some information there. But there's a flip side of that, that the information age has become the disinformation age. 
Yeah. And so now we've got we've got the opposite problem. So what we never uh, anticipated with all this wonderful internet, everything everything is available to us. We can look stuff up in a second. Well, guess what? <laughs> they started taking down information. So stuff that was in books that they wouldn't take out because it would be, uh, you know, first of all, it remind you of like, you know, past governments around the world that have actually burned books. But to take stuff out of books is very difficult because once it's there, it's there. But on the internet, it's easy. I mean, you know, take a look at our show. We're still suppressed a whole lot too. Anyway, um, speaking of social media, what's the best uh, Facebook page for you guys? Or are there a couple different ones? Because I, I found um, we three. should have one. Well, we've got three, but we have actually have two group pages that are for our okay. fosters and volunteers, and then our actual Facebook page page is. Let me see here. It should just be under Santa Rosa County Animal Services. Yeah, that's the one I've got. Then uh, and it's got uh, Sheriff Johnson on there with the puppy with a, with yes. a green mm-hmm. kerchief. Okay, so that's cool. Yes, so I post that to my page. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna try. I should do that like, you know, Thursday nights or something. But I'm going to try and post your page every week just so people know where to find you. Uh, they go, my oh, page is public. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're one big happy family team, you know, thing going on here. There's another one, the Friends of uh, Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter. Um, yeah, is that, so, yeah. so the Friends of group is a 501 group nonprofit, and so they formed uh, about a year and a half ago to support the shelter and support the animals. So they do a lot of stuff in the community. Um, they're able to apply for grants that a municipality cannot apply for. And so mm-hmm. they've done a lot of good things. They actually got um, some fencing up for us on our surgery area. They've done some um, fence work on other areas for us at the shelter. They've done fundraisers. They've helped us with events. So it's really actually a great way to participate, especially if you live in the south end of the county and maybe you can't physically get to the shelter. Um, they mm-hmm. do a lot of work in the Navarre Gulf Breeze area, so it's a really good thing. So I would encourage people, if they want to support the shelter, support the Friends Up group as well because it all comes back to the animals here. Yeah. Well, you can bring some of those folks or the director or whoever, you know, you want uh, from the, the Friends Of group on the show if you want. I mean, they're welcome to oh, come on and yeah. introduce them. Sure. You know, I mean, you bring anybody in the staff. You can bring anybody you want. <laughs> I, I love it. Okay. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, because um, they're, yeah. they're doing great things. I think there's uh-huh. there's just uh-huh. a few of us on the group right now, but, like, you know, always looking for more members and people that want to participate. Uh, fun, they just had a fundraiser, I think, this month that was uh, Frisbees for the Puppies, basically a frozen treat, and so that helped raise some money because what they're working on now are getting microchip scanners for all the fire departments so that that is an option if somebody finds a pet they can check with, you know, they can't make it all the way down to the shelter. They can check mm-hmm. for their local area fire department and get that animal scanned to see if there's an owner. And the scanners are like four to $500 a piece, so you figure there's about 18 um, or so uh, fire departments. So a lot of scanners, it'll cost a, a little bit, so they're working on getting right. the funds for that. Well, that makes sense. Looks like we've got some rain starting uh, here. Uh, so for my uh, folks around the country and around the world that don't know what happens soon when we get lightning storms, I'll get them directly overhead. I mean, I'll, I'll have lightning within, you know, 20 yards of my place here. Um, so if the show ever quits for any reason, you know, I just stop it and restart it again because when the power goes out, it just, that's it. Everything you know, goes, yeah. Everything goes for, for a little while. And it only takes like a microsecond interruption in the signal uh, to have to start over. Okay, it looks like just rain. I don't see thunderstorms. I think we're okay today. Hasn't happened for a while. Uh, last year happened a few times. I guess they're, they're fixing their power grid. Um, so what's going on with you? What's, uh, what, what, what have you got for this week? Because I know we've, we really have a, um, yeah. a hard break, as they say, at the bottom of the hour. 
Yeah, so this week has been, um, we've got lots of activity at the shelter, so we had the Sheriff's Department come in and pick a canine mm-hmm. of the month. That was great. Uh, mm-hmm. We have had lots of donations coming in. We've had a lot of surgeries this week. Tomorrow we'll be at PetSmart in Pace from 11 till 2. We're going to bring a few adoptable pets. So we're trying to get prepared for that and just mm-hmm. a lot of activity here and there at the shelter. So and then we have some events coming up um, starting Monday. We're going to have uh, the Bissell Empty the Shelter Foundation uh, adoption drive. So all our adoptions will be $5 through the rest of the month. And so that's a way for people to kind of get in here and see if they need a pet. And they don't really have to spend a lot of money for the adoption. So we're trying to get geared up for that, get all the paperwork ready and, and get everything in order and get our puppies and kitties labeled so everybody knows who's who if they're looking for a new friend. So just getting prepped for that. And usually weekends we're busier. And so we're just kind of getting in order for that. So And then um, I think in August we have some adoption events coming up as well. We don't have dates set on those yet. But just going to be a busy summer. So we're just trying to keep everything moving and we have lots of animals that are waiting to get spayed and neutered and we have lots of kitties still as well so so do you take donations for a surgery specifically or is that a separate program or uh, how, do, how does how much of that of the work you do are, are the surgeries um, yes, yeah, so that's super, super important. We have a, okay. uh, we did have two part-time vets. We now have just the one part-time vet. So if you're a veterinarian looking for, you know, to get on somewhere, we are hiring. Um, our vet okay. that is here is awesome. He is he has taken on the clinical side as well temporarily until we get that spot filled. So he has had to kind of slow down the uh, surgeries a little bit, but he's still cranking them out a bunch. So, um, so mm. what it is is like we do we don't do, um, you know community or the owned animals because we just don't have enough, you know, we don't have the time to do those. We are basically just full tilt trying to get all the animals in the shelter spayed and neutered. Mm -hmm. So we do have our surgery days for that. Once a kitten is over two pounds, they can be spayed or neutered. So we just, once they're adopted out, if they are not altered already, we get them on the books to come in surgery. And so, you know, our, our surgery team is very busy doing that. We try to make sure that everybody's healthy and they're in the foster care program in the meantime. So that way, if they have any problems or issues, you know, they're going to be able to come in and see us. And yeah, our surgery team stays very, very busy. And right now we have lots and lots of kitties on the books um, that are waiting to get in for surgery. So it's it's a project and everybody stays, you know, it's a little hectic in the summer. Well, it's a lot hectic in the summertime here at the shelter, but we did really well this year with our community cat program, getting a lot of animals altered. So we're hoping that that has made a difference in the area with the with the stray kittens. And it's not something you would see immediately, but we're hoping, you know, if we hit it hard, which we have been the last three years or so, and if we continue to do that, we're hoping maybe in, you know, in two or three years we'll start to see a decline in the, the number of stray cats that are reproducing. So we'll see. Well, that's the idea, you know, and, but like you oh, say, yeah. there's, there's still so many stray cats out there. Um, the place is interesting about that. I mean, I know these people, their heart's in the right place, but there are all these little mm-hmm. feeding stations around, you know, at various stores and different places where, where people feed the cats. Um, do you go to those places and spay and neuter those cats and release them again? Uh, if they're so happily we, in, we, in one of those things? How's yeah, that so we don't directly do that ourselves. Um, what we are hoping is that whoever is running those colonies will work on that. And we do have a lot of great colony caretakers in our community. So generally, right. a lot of those folks are doing that. They're getting those animals spayed and neutered, actually a, a lot of times out of their own pocket and can be very pricey. And that's another mm. reason that we try to offer the community cat program that way. If people are doing the right thing and are trying to help stop the overpopulation, it's not going to fall all on them to do it out of 
pocket, so that's why we offer those free um, dates. But we do have, yeah, several community cats, and one way for people to know if there is a feeding station, if you see a lot of cats in a certain area and you see bulls down, chances are someone is probably t managing that colony. So instead of trying to trap those cats, maybe just try to get some information to see, hey, is this a managed colony, somebody's handling them, because you don't want to take one of those cats out of the area and then they're, they don't know where they are and then they're not being cared for. And a way to tell if they're spayed or neutered, they're going to have an ear tip. And so um, that's really a good thing because you can visually see that even from afar and you're going to know, okay, somebody's gotten that animal altered and vaccinated. So that's an animal that's not reproducing and he's a member of this community cat colony. And that's just a good way to tell. Also, for the people that are running those colonies, that's a good way for them to go, okay, I don't have to get these guys done. They're done. Well, let's work on these other three. So it's a really good, just a simple, useful tool. And it doesn't seem like it's, yeah, it seems mean, you know, to slice their ear off, but they are under anesthesia while it's happening, and it's just a minimal. Well, you don't take much. Tip, so. <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah, we don't take, like, the whole ear. It's not a Van Gogh thing where the whole ear is gone. We're just no. doing a tip so that we can visually, you know, identify that cat out there, and it's making a huge difference to help the, the people that are trying to trap them know who is okay and who's not, so. Yeah. I'm just thinking of uh, kids and gangs, and some kids do really horrible things to animals. Um, if, if these uh, colonies are publicized, do they become targets for, for animal violence at all or no? Um, I don't really think we've seen, um, per se, we haven't really seen like a, a, an increase in issues for the colonies. A lot of the colonies, these cats are not super friendly. They basically have been on their own a while. They, they'll start to trust the person that's feeding them, but they're generally not going to go up to a stranger. Um, you know, that's more of like your neighborhood cat that everybody loves. But the, some of the colony cats are, are pretty much feral, and they're not really going to interact okay. with people other than to just come up and eat. So when they see somebody new or whatever, they'll probably run off. So they'd have to be really fast to catch one of those feral cats because they generally don't like to, you know, they don't like to come up and love on people. Now, if it's a neighborhood cat, yeah, they are going to be more friendly. But as a whole, I think we have, you know, a good community that really cares for animals. But you do, you do see things from time to time that are, you know, just terrible. So our officers work really hard um, to try to stay on top of things if there's an area where there's anything suspicious looking. They are talking, they are talking to people. They're talking to neighbors, you know, mm -hmm. making sure people are aware, like, hey, we're, we're a little concerned. Let's keep an eye out. And our citizens are good as well as letting us know if something looks amiss in an area so we can try to monitor it because the last thing we want is for, like you said, some sort of, some sort of problem out there where there's, there's a, an issue with somebody, you know, purposely injuring our animals out there. Well, if it, if it happens, you know, that can help uh, publicize, you know, and, and get people on the lookout for, for and these kind of things really disgust me. And, uh, you know, from what I know of psychology, you know, if people are cruel to animals, that can escalate to people. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's a, definitely there's a direct co correlation. So most of our really bad people out there, serial killers, started out with torturing animals. So that's definitely something if, you know, in that whole little, if you see something, say something. If you mm -hmm. if you have a neighbor or someone that have you have seen something, you know, going on, like be sure to report it because it's very important. Obviously, we don't want animals injured, but like you said, it definitely is probably going to lead to something worse. So we want to stay on top of it because if there's somebody that has no regard for animal life, they're probably going to mm -hmm. do worse things when they get older. So we, it's definitely something that needs to be reported for sure. And we don't want our animals out there injured and, and suffering. So just let's, you know, everybody work together. And if you're, you know, if you're not sure, go ahead and call it in. It's better better just to call it in and have an officer go out than to 
not be sure. You know, maybe it was nothing, but if you if you see something you're concerned about, feel free to call it in, and our officers will be glad to check it out. Yeah, I had a, a completely different incident. Um, I'll tell you briefly. Uh, I'll tell you more detail at some point. But uh, it's uh, I used to bike ride uh, in Oakland, California, where I lived on on the uh, mm-hmm. San Francisco Bay, right by Oakland Airport. And of course, the jets are, are landing usually southwest, you know, pretty close to the airport. And this is back, you know, during um, times we're more concerned with terrorism. And there's a boat sitting out there um, on the flight path. And so well, that's weird. <laughs> Why would a boat sit oh, right yeah. there? You know, and I'm thinking it's the perfect place, you know, uh, God forbid, but for, for a missile attack on an airplane right there, uh, right there at the airport. And no one noticed. And then the airport security isn't there and no one else is there. So I call it in. I call in the local police and they sent me to the Coast Guard. And then the Coast Guard, um, you know, eventually came out. But uh, the airport didn't notice it. The Coast Guard didn't notice it, you know. Okay. And uh, uh, what it turned out was, without well, giving too many details, I actually ended up following them on my bicycle as the boat went to dock. <laughs> so here I'm playing, you know, anti-terrorist person. Oh, yeah, it's hysterical. Um, and it turned out to be nothing. They were just in the wrong place, wrong time, didn't have their, right. their, their good boat knowledge. But they, they were boarded by the Coast Guard and searched and, uh, you know, and they, they could have given them $10,000 plus fine for sitting there mm-hmm. in an air, airport channel. But what was right, revealing, yeah. what was really revealing, see, see, normally they have drills and they practice, right? That's when you know it. When something happens when they mm-hmm. aren't prepared for it, they were caught flat-footed. Uh, and oh, so yeah. there was a big, yeah. kind and, of you know, big scandal. Goodness, you, yeah. you called that in because, like, what if it could have been something bad, you know? Exactly. Even though it wasn't, po- but at least yeah. now it's like, hey, we got to do better on that for sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> there were some definite phone calls and meetings after that. But the point of this oh, was, yeah. the, one thing they, the one thing they told me was that we were really glad, uh, they were glad that I called because, and I asked them, I said, well, is it better to call with, with nothing? They are like, absolutely. And so this goes for animals, this goes for people, this goes for anything, that it's better oh, to yeah. call and be wrong. I think that's that's people's biggest fear. Well, I'll be wrong. Well, you know, what if? You, okay, so you're wrong. So then the police say, okay, you know what? We checked it out. Nothing happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, everybody that's gets a chuckle out of it. Maybe it's okay. You know, if it's yeah. just think, you know, so many things happen, and if people like, oh, you know, I saw that car and it looked a little odd, just oh. call it in. You know, just call in something that looks suspicious, or if you have a little funny feeling and you're concerned, or you see something that doesn't sit well, like. Somebody down the road, you saw him like, I think he was kicking his dog. Like, that just doesn't, you know, call it in. Our officer can go speak to them. Maybe it was, like, not what you saw, but, hey, we don't mind checking it out. You know, better safe than sorry. We we would rather go out on a call and be nothing than no one call. And we've we've had situations where dogs are being neglected for months, and everyone assumes that someone else has called it in, and finally someone calls, and they're like, our neighborhood has been talking about this. No one's done anything. And we go pull up mm-hmm. our reports. We've had no calls. And that happens kind of often. So that's why we encourage people, if there's a problem, please give us a call and let us check it out. And don't assume someone else has called unless you know for sure. Because sometimes everyone assumes someone else is taking care of it and no one has called. So just it's better to call. And if we may be like, oh, yeah, we've got that. you know. And, but at least you know that you called, you did your part. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really happy to be like the third person calling in on a traffic accident or something like this. Absolutely. Yeah, we already then got you know other people like, care okay. for sure. Yeah, yes, that's definitely. a good thing. Um, one of the folks you might want to connect with is our, uh, uh, and she's been busy for a while. Uh, Candace, cowgirl Candace, we call her. She has Believe mm-hmm. the Journey horse uh, services, and she has a riding service, um, and she's rescued horses. Do, I mean, do you, do you, how big do the animals get that uh, you can take care of? Do you work with horses um, and? Uh, you guys should probably connect up yes. if you don't know each so other we, already. Yeah. Prim- yeah, I don't I don't think I recognize her name. So primarily we're dogs and cats, but we have taken mm-hmm. a little bit of everything throughout the years. Generally when we do horse cases, our officers um, 
defer it over to, we work with Tiny Acres a lot of rescue, so they um, work with them a lot. In the past, um, we have had animals of all sizes and shapes throughout the year when the regulations were a bit different. I know that um, many times throughout the years we've had like, I wouldn't say many, but a few times we've had, we had a herd of cattle back here one time. We've had horses <laughs> ponies at the shelter. We've had emus, um, big monitor lizards or whatever. They're, I don't really know a lot about the reptile side, but big, huge lizards. We've had birds galore. Just a really interesting and a really interesting array of animals have come through, you know, over the years. I know one time we trapped a fox, and it was very clearly not a random fox. It was a gorgeous, beautiful fox. Turns out it was a, a pet fox that someone had the rehab license for, or the wildlife license, and somehow he got out of his enclosure. And, you know, we were able to put him back where he was supposed to be. So we, we see a little bit of everything, or we have seen. But now pretty much it's cats and dogs, and then if there are any um, bigger guys and gals they will be referred somewhere some you know through a different avenue because we don't really have the physical space to hold dog or to hold horses here so you know they've got to have an area so but our officers do go out on calls for that so again if there is a, a horse situation or anything like that then we would encourage people to call that in as well okay one more question then we should get to uh, the critters uh, so when you say okay. the officers are these animal control officers are these animal shelter officers yeah. who, are, who are we talking about Yes, yeah, so this is our animal control officer team. So we all work out of the same building. They are kind of we we kind of have like our kennel staff. We have a medical mm -hmm. staff, a surgery staff, admin staff, and then our animal control staff. So I think they're about, I believe, five or six deep at the moment. And then we have a dispatcher. And so they're basically running calls throughout the day. Um, someone calls in a complaint, or someone calls in a, a dog injured, something like that. Our dispatcher is sending those officers out to check things out. Um, if they have downtime, they will patrol, but generally they're just answering the calls and working the cases that they that, that are being called in. They hmm. stay pretty busy. They're always in and out. The the one thing I do want people to know is they try to get their these pets back to the owners before they have to come to the shelter. So let's say they're in Navarre and a dog is loose and they're going out on this call. Well, they're going to scan that animal for a chip, check for any tags. If they have a tag, if they have a microchip, they're going to try to get that information first and get them back to the owner so the dog doesn't have to come to the shelter. It's just easier because we're always full anyway. And also it's going to be less stressful on the dog and less money for the you know the owner. And the, it'll just be better for everybody if they can just get them straight to, to his home. And that does happen often to where... Maybe a neighbor has found the dog, and we find out, hey, he's five houses away, and nobody knew that until we checked that microchip and we were able to reconnect. So then that neighbor knows if Fluffy's out next week, I know who owns the dog, and I can just return him. So microchips mm. are really, really good, and um, the tags, too, it really helps get your pets back to you quicker. But that's one of the things that animal control officers are, are doing now where we probably didn't used to do that in the past, but now they're really proactive about trying to get them home instead of bringing them to the shelter. Well, that makes sense. Um, so, so it's, who's uh, who, who's our who's our pet of the week? Who who we got? Um, who are dog and so, cat candidates here? Yeah. So I don't have any specific kitty. Well, I have one kitty, and then I have kittens. So we have multiple kittens right now. Um, I think there's probably 20 plus kittens in adoption. So I would encourage anyone come on in and meet some of these kittens. They're just super cute. Um, our adult cat is named. Um, we How have like eight to ten eight to ten week old kittens so they're little okay. and adorable and a great time to get them <laughs> while they're still super playful and they can tear up your curtains and all those fun things so, ah, we need sound um, effects. but if you're we, we if you're wanting an adult uh, we need a meow sound we need something wow 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be adorable. But if you're wanting an adult cat and you want, you know, you're kind of over the kitten age, we have a wonderful cat named Winter. So Winter is FIV positive, which is a virus, but she can live, you know, a, a long, happy life with that. But it is contagious to other cats. So we would, you know, oh, okay. when we are adopting her out, this? we recommend... Um, Did you test for this or what? <laughs> yeah. So she was having some issues when she first came in, so she was tested, and that's how we found that out. So and what's the virus called? You know, uh, FIV. Um, FIV, I, which is what? Yeah, it's... Feline you know, something... Yeah, it's basically like an immune disease, and I should know that, and I normally do, but now I'm on the spot. I can't remember. Well, next week. Yeah, well, you look it up and tell us. But yeah, so basically, it's yeah, it's something that is contagious to other cats, and it Mm -hmm. does compromise their immune system. So, ideally, you know, you want to make sure they're not around other pets because they can um, they can pick it up. So, it's uh, one of those things that it's not like a death sentence, but it is going to you know, they are going to have to be monitored more closely and things like that. So we would recommend she either go to a home with another cat that is already positive or her mm-hmm. home by herself. Uh, originally, we were going to have her as a barn cat until we determined that she had this virus. So for that reason, we're putting her as an adoptable cat. But also, she's very sweet. She was a little sassy when she first got here, and I think it's because she didn't feel too well. Um, now right. she's doing great. She's loving and Somebody who's like a cat personality would just adore her. She's very affectionate. Um, our our volunteer named Charlie, who does our cat area a couple days a week, he picks her up and holds her like a baby, and she just lets him just do whatever. <laughs> she's very, very sweet. So yeah. she's been here kind of a while now, a few months, and we're hoping to to find that good home for her. But you can go to our website and check her out, and that is winter. And then uh, as far as dogs, we have a sweet senior lady, and I'm not sure if I talked about her yet, but her name is Rascal, and she's probably, I would say, like some sort of border collie mix. She's a black and white, like a medium hair girl. She's definitely a senior. Um, She had an owner who loved her very much. Unfortunately, he has been separated from her, and we cannot hang on to her indefinitely, so we are trying to place her with somebody that will love her and take care of her. She is a great dog. She is house trained. She's just a little sweet old lady. She'll let you know when she's got a potty. Otherwise, she's very quiet. She likes to nap a lot. So she just basically needs a nice soft bed and someone that will take her out on a nice little leisurely stroll. She doesn't have you know, have to have a lot of activity. Um, a nice calm home would be great for her. She likes to play maybe for five minutes in the mornings with a toy. Other than that, she just kind of likes to nap and just be by your side. So right now we actually have her in one of the offices because she's so good. She just hangs out there throughout the day. She'll let them know when she has to potty. They take her out. She comes back in, takes a nap. I mean, she's just a great, great dog. I think she's probably around 12 or so, so she's definitely a senior, um, but a wonderful dog. And if you don't want a dog that you have to go exercise and go for long hikes, you just want a dog to love and you're lazy, you want to be in the house, or maybe your your mobility is a problem and you want something that's not going to pull or, you know, on a leash and things like that, you know, she would be a wonderful, wonderful dog for someone. Okay. Well, i got a couple more questions, but let's get your okay. uh, contact information in first just to make sure. Uh, we'll Instagram until Derek calls, but he's pretty prompt usually right at the bottom of the hour. We get to go from pets to money. <laughs> and our, our, our rather disgusting economy. And in the second hour, if you want to pick up the podcast after the show, uh, if you're busy, um, I've got all the amendments to the Defense Authorization Act. And so uh, I got a friend calling in on that. We're going to military friends. So we're going to kind of chat about this. there's some amazing things going on. And you know us, we like to do the details that nobody else does. So it makes it, I think, uh, really interesting. Um, contact uh, everything. 
phone oh, numbers, yeah, websites, so contact, Facebook, so, the whole bit. Yeah, so. absolutely. So if you would like to stop by the shelter, we're at 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. That's not in Pensacola. That is in Milton. So we do have a Pine Forest Road here. And mm-hmm. our hours are Monday through Friday, 1130 till 430. Except for Wednesdays, we are open later. We're open for adoptions till 6. And then Saturdays, we're here 10 till 3 for adoptions. And then um, we just encourage people to come on by. You can book an appointment online, or you can just stop by. If you want to check out our website, that's santarosa.fl.gov slash animals. On there, you'll find all of our information. We have resources there. All of our adoptable pets are on there. Also, we have a lost and found section, so if you're missing a pet, we would encourage you to go on there and see if you see them. Or even if, you know, you're just not sure, just go on there and take a peek because it is updated it is um, in real time, so if an animal comes into the shelter, as soon as we enter it to the system, it will update to the to the website. And then also we have a Facebook page, Santa Rosa Animal Services or Santa Rosa County Animal Services. We try to focus on just getting information out and kind of um, giving a little nice little pictures of some of our animals that are up for adoption. Maybe the you know, just a little story here and there, so that you get to know a little more about them. We have foster animals that sometimes don't get as much covered because they're not here at the shelter, so we try to focus on those on the web or on the Facebook page as well. Huh? We got to make a little recording of that. Um, I did that for for my stuff recently. I've got like a minute and thirty seconds of contact information. That's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that yeah. we could. Uh, you don't have to give it every week. Just send me an MP3. Um, so to let folks know, we're going to be hopefully making a video this week of the animal shelter with me and Tara D. Well, that is that sound like a rock group? And Tara D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You know, it's like funny, uh, right? Gladys Knight and the Pips or something like that, whatever. Anyway, um, but yeah, yeah. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be a great time. Yes, we'll absolutely, it'll be great. We'll get to see some puppies and kittens, and hopefully, mm-hmm. some of your um, your people will see somebody and come on down and adopt. Exactly. Well, let me ask you about this PetSmart event. So when you go to an event, mm-hmm. an adoption event that's outside the shelter, how how does that work exactly? Are the animals right there? Yeah. The pictures. How does it go? Yeah, so basically we don't take a whole bunch of animals because it is staff or actually volunteer-based for our our, um, events that we do. So it really kind of depends on how many hands we have going. So I think it's going to be a small group this time. We're taking um, a couple dogs from the shelter and then a couple of our fosters are supposed to meet us there. So we'll have anywhere from like three to five animals. But everybody we bring is adoptable that same day. We will. Mm -hmm. um, Most of them are already spayed or neutered. We might have a puppy that's not. We will allow them to leave the same day as well. You'll just be able to foster them until they get um, spayed or neutered. But we've got all their information with us. We go over everything with you. The adoption fee, you just pay us and it's very easy. We do the little links now so you can just pay by phone and uh, or you can pay cash if you're old school and you know that is fine. We'll be there from 11 till 2 and uh, we just hope people want to maybe come out and see some of the pets we have and usually when we do an event we always bring pet friendly animals so because they're going to be around other animals so these are guys that are kind of tried and true. We know their behaviors and they're doing good with other animals so if you have another pet and you're looking for an additional pet these would be one of the guys you probably want to look at. Wow, sounds like fun. Hey, perfect timing. Derek's on. <laughs> so let's. Awesome. Uh, Hi, Derek. So if, if you can stick around and listen, if you want, if you have an economic question, or uh, uh, we'll just do it next week. Okay. Whatever, sounds whatever awesome. Works. And we look forward. We look forward to the video next week as well. Yep, that's gonna be fun. Um, one thing I remind me that uh, I found sometimes I got to get the microphone closer to people I'm, I'm talking to because it picks up me too much and folks are too quiet. So we've had a little sound thing with my phone. So I got to make sure that uh, maybe either you hold the phone or we'll. Just have to like hold it out and speak into. It. We'll figure something out, but it should be interesting. A little, okay. little technical thing. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Tardy. Let's get uh, let's okay. talk money. 
Yeah. All right. Thanks. All right. Take care. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities. And then there are the markets. Oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park, our Action Radio financial reporter, joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. Pushing so many buttons here, I forgot to make uh, Derek's line live. <laughs> there we go. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, I found something fascinating. Um, There's a big announcement, uh, David Horowitz, and I think Frontline Magazine, was talking about inflation. And so I just want to read this real quickly here. It says, it looks like the Biden-McCarthy Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023 will rival the Inflation Reduction Act and the Green New Deal in, the, in its Orwellian meaning and outcome. So it's just five weeks after the deal was hatched, the Treasury has issued over $1 trillion in new debt. That's got to be uh, inflation six months to a year from now. That's got to be a problem. Why are they doing this? What's going on? This is irrational. Or is it just Congress? Yeah, I've, I, <laughs> I, I haven't seen that. So is that the thing you sent me last night? Well, I, I tagged you on the post uh, on our economics page. So for those that don't know, we have an Action Radio economics project where I post all this stuff, anything to do with, with markets, the economy, inflation, money supply, anything like anything economic related, it all goes there. And this one I just heard about on One American News this morning. So I only posted this morning. Um, and it goes on. He says, this is simply astounding. It took from our founding until 1980 to accrue the amount of debt, in other words, $1 trillion, that we have now added in just five weeks. It is truly hard to overstate the magnitude and impact of this spending. Unlike in recent years, when we were servicing the debt at 1% to 2% interest rates, this new debt will be serviced with an over 5% interest rate. Our debt has increased almost 50% in just four years, topping out to nearly $32.5 trillion. Uh, now it says, but with the compounding effect and higher interest rates um, to service it. So, so if you have a comment on the debt, and what, I've never heard about this new interest rate, 5%? That's because of inflation, right? Right. Well, I mean, they haven't they haven't they haven't said whether they're going to raise rates in July and the Fed doesn't meet until um, it's like another 10 days. Uh, They don't meet till the end of the month. Um, You know, I mean, so uh, market, you know, earlier in the week um, and last week went through some shakiness based on uh, anticipation of them potentially um, uh, raising the rates. Um, you know, one more time. They said possibly two more in the year. Um, yeah, my personal belief, this is personal, is that I don't think there's going to be two. I think there'll be one more, and I think okay. they'll be done. Um, you know, so I would be looking more towards the end of the year, possibly beginning of next year, um, you know, looking for rate decreases. So um, keeping inflation in mind, uh, the data that builds the inflation report came out last week, and all the data basically points to inflation softening. Um, you know, the biggest concerns, again, um, and I've said this before, food prices mm-hmm. and housing costs. Um, right. You know, so um, those are those are the two that are kind of holding things up. And, you know, I mean, um, crude oil is, is, I don't want to call it a spike, but, you know, I mean, it was trading around $70 a barrel. It's back up to 80 um, You know, so we're oh. going to probably see... 
you know, another 15, 20 cents at the pump. Um, you know, some places have already seen it, you know, um, you know, so, so, uh, it, it could go back down. Um, you know, we've seen this, uh, based on, um, demand decrease and, you know, OPEC talking about production decreases. Right. Well, that was my question with, with oil, how much is, uh, of the price rises demand is increased, uh, because inflation, is a little well, like you say, a little softer, but uh, I, I think that's because of the the lower demand has sort of brought it down. You know, the price of gas. I I, I put it. I use the the pie gas theory. You know, three point one four. So three dollars and fourteen cents is kind of like my benchmark. If it's below that, things are good. If it's above that, then something's changed. Um, but is it production right. cuts? Is it production cuts or increased demand or both uh, for the price rises that are that are probably coming? Best question. Um, you know, so the producer price index is something that also that also controls, um, you know, how inflation works, and that also is falling. So I would say production. I don't want to call them cuts, but you know, I mean, um, reduction in production based on demand um, mm-hmm. is is definitely going to be happening. You know, what I mean, so which makes sense. Um, you're right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. it's 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 going to happen in order to have deflation. Mm-hmm. Oh, my favorite word. He said it. <laughs> well, and, and, and we, should, we should explain that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it makes sense. If you're a producer, if you're producing oil, you produce more oil than the market wants. The only way to sell it is to lower the price. So why would you do that? This is basic economics. Right. You know, and that goes for any product. Um, so this makes, right. makes sense. But when, when you see oil, you know, uh, $80, less like the sweet spot, if I remember you said. So above 80 you know, they're, they're, they're making a lot of money. Below 80 you know, we're doing okay. Um, but, uh, yeah. I think people are now getting used to this $3 gas, you know, when we used to be used to $108.87. That might be too low because I guess the producers can't make enough money when it's that low. But I, I can handle two mm-hmm. to $50 a gallon, you know, two bucks, a couple bucks, two fifty. That's good. Starts getting above three. Yeah. Like I say, I got, you know, pie gas, 3.14, you know, this is my warning sign. Um, it starts getting higher into the threes. So like, wait a minute. Now, now I know something's going, something's changing. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, so so I think three dollars is kind of the threshold for for pain for people, you know. I mean, okay. um, you know, even even the clients that I deal with, you know, I mean, it's it's okay. Three dollars is a little high, so they may consider driving less, um, mm-hmm. you know. But um, you know, when it definitely gets to like three fifty, it's it's like oh my gosh, you know. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm spending a ton on gas, but you know, it's it's um, um, you know, I mean, I. <laughs> I guess it's a little give and get. So while I do, um, you know, sympathize and empathize with it, and it has to be both because everybody's situation is unique. Um, you know, if you're if you're spending money in other places, it, it all comes down to budgeting, right? You know what right. I mean? So if you're talking yeah. about a difference of fifty cents a price, uh, fifty cents mm-hmm. per gallon, you know, and, and you're filling up, you know, uh, every ten days, what is the average cost per month? You know, what I mean, so, you know, you're talking about what a 15 gallon tank to a 20 gallon tank. Let's just say it's 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 20 gallon. You know what I mean? Like you could you could essentially just just kind of say, what is it going to increase your money? Thirty bucks a month? You know, I mean, it's like thirty bucks a month. I, I it, the way I look at it, um, you know, even even when, you know, I was living on Raymond noodles and paychecks to paychecks wasn't a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. So, so, so when when the price goes up fifty cents a gallon, I think it's just, and, and this is just my personal opinion. Sometimes it's incessant complaining because people enjoy that. You know, it's like <laughs> okay, yeah, it, 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 it's a little hard. Yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? But 
you know, when it goes up, you know, uh, you know, a dollar fifty, you know what I mean, and and it's costing you an extra seventy five a month. Okay, now now we're talking about something that could be somebody's bills, right? right. That could be the difference between them buying certain foods and things like that. Thirty bucks a month, man, you you could work it into the budget. I promise you, you can. Yeah, um, see, I'm you know, not, it's, it's, uh, uh, that's what I'm not complaining about though, these little price increases. But I'm wondering how right. much is 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 the the recession because uh, I don't see as many people driving around. Uh, the traffic volume, uh, and we both are in the Pace, Florida area, uh, quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of traffic yeah. on, on, you know, Route 90, uh, and it's it's dropping uh, quite a bit. So people aren't driving as much. I mean, it's just anecdotal evidence. But uh, yeah. hey, do you have any measure on the driving amount or the amount of oil or gas that's being sold in the country right now? Is that a measure at all? I I don't. I mean, I'm sure there is a measure. Um, huh. You know, and and it's not something I know off the top of my head. Yeah, I would say throughout the week, um, I do see reduced amount of traffic around. Um, you know, but but you know, I don't know. Friday for some reason is always it's always busy. Why <laughs> so well, everybody's like, getting away? It's beach day. Yeah, even in the yeah, worst of times. Really well, here's the thing that's interesting. Even in the worst of times, people want their entertainment. They will go to the beach if gas were ten dollars a gallon. They would still go to the beach. Now they may not go visit grandma. You know, they may not uh, do as much shopping or, or do other stuff or combine all the errands in one trip, but they're going to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, right. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's valuable. Well, the, yeah. the prices on the island are definitely, um, you know, are definitely a lot higher. You know what I mean? So if uh-huh. you go, if you go to, you know, Gulf Breeze, um, you know, I mean, gas is definitely, you know, a quarter to, to 30 cents or more, more a gallon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the funny thing is, is like, you know, they're a part of the same county, right? <laughs> it's yep. not that, that you know highway highway 90 um you know 98 you know down there across the across the beach down there and i mean it's been there for oh man what 300 years or something like that it's been there what, forever the right well as long as people the, have been here yeah. the road yeah. the road, oh, the road. That goes okay. that direction like that's well, not 300 years 200 for sure well since right? the, you know the I mean? spanish landed <laughs> yeah when was that right right 1600 something yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so so it's it's been a long time, um, yeah. you know, and, and you know, fuel has been traveled there. So you know, I, I'm a little confused on you know, it's not harder for a truck to get down there. It's part right. of the same counties between Santa Rosa and Escambia. Escambia actually has cheaper gas tax in Santa Rosa, right? So well, that's interesting. Um, I, I I can't ever understand or fathom why the beach they're just going to charge higher prices because they can, you know, because people down there are typically more affluent. You know, so um, in my opinion, that should be illegal because I don't think it's any harder for them, any well, harder for them to deliver there. No, but it's, it's a demand thing. If people are demanding more of it and they can get a higher price for it, consumers are free to go buy it somewhere else. They can go buy it in Pensacola. They can go buy it in Absolutely. You know, San Rosa County. I would argue the demand down there because population would be lower would be less. Now, tourism, huh. you know, would, would would influence that. But I would tell you, even in the off season, the prices are higher. Yeah. No, I believe that. So, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make that illegal because that's that's a, what I what I would make illegal is the government limiting uh, states from drilling their own oil um, because technically that is actually state land. You know, the federal government has way too much land. That I would make illegal. I would force them to get their land back. Uh, and I would, uh, or California has an interesting situation where you can only buy California gasoline. And so the prices are always right. higher in California because they, they only have three refineries that make California gasoline. So there's a trade restraint artificially increasing the price of gas to Californians. Uh, and I'm sure the government, you know, loves that because they don't want cars anyway. They don't want gas cars. Uh, a lot of stuff's coming out in electric cars. 
and they're more expensive. The companies are losing money. And if it weren't for the subsidies, you know, nobody would buy them. Uh, and I was thinking, I was talking to a friend of mine about, uh, I've never seen an ad for a used electric vehicle. How are they standing on the market? Do you, any, any electric car news? I mean, there is. I mean, I don't see them that often. Um, okay. You know what I mean? But, I mean, they are there. Oh, the electric, oh used, used electric cars? Yeah, I mean, you can you can find used used Priuses and things like that. I mean, there's yeah. um, I, I'll tell you uh, for like a used Prius, um, you know, there's a guy in my company that uh, has, you know, he he's replaced the battery in there, um, and he knows how to do it, and he knows how to buy it for cheap, and he knows how to do it without involving Toyota except the final calibration parts, uh, which is a couple hundred dollars to go in there. He will uh-huh. find used Priuses. Um, that uh, that that people don't want, and they're just trying to get rid of for you know a couple thousand dollars. He'll put the new batteries in them and then sell them for ten grand. He's done that. He's done that on you know like ten or fifteen of these things. They make a living on that. <laughs> uh, he's, he's making a very good living because he knows how to change out the batteries. You know the batteries. If you go to Toyota, I think he said you know something like six to eight grand. You know so so you know I mean that that yeah. includes the labor and everything that they do. And the batteries, um, you know, the package that comes, you know, he orders it from, you know, this third market company that's the same thing. And it's, I think he pays like two grand for it. So he buys mm-hmm. his cars for like two grand, two to two to three, maybe four grand, you know, right. puts two grand of batteries in them, takes it to Toyota to, to recalibrate or do, he said they got to do something. It's like two or $300. And then, uh-huh. you know, I mean, he marks it up, you know, three or $4,000 and people buy it. You know, so, I mean, it, it takes him, I think he said about a day, you know, day's worth of labor, you know. So he, he $2,000 a day. <laughs> that's, that's a good business. Yeah, I mean, I guess if he could find that many, yeah, I mean, I guess he he, he very well could, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I always thought it was pretty interesting. That's fascinating. See, that's what I was wondering. Now, where do the batteries go? Where do the used batteries end up? That's the question, too. He has takes them to a recycling place, but I've always been told that, you know, the batteries are very hard to recycle. While they do have places you can drop them off, you know, uh-huh. it takes them forever to, like, incinerate them or break them down into pieces because they're they're so toxic. See, that's what I'm wondering. Is that part of the government scam? Because they're subsidizing the price. Uh, otherwise, people wouldn't buy them. Uh, they're forcing companies. Yeah. I, I guess there's so much incentive. Like Ford just got like a $9 billion loan to produce more electric cars because they're not profitable. Uh, so this is a completely mm-hmm. artificial market. And the batteries, you know, we know they're toxic. We know they're hard to recycle. Uh, we know they have lithium and cadmium and, and all this other stuff in there. Um, and so, it, you know, it's got to be a government subsidy. They're probably just storing them somewhere. So, you know, it's like nuclear waste. You know, you got to store it forever. Um, it's, but this is fascinating as to, as to where it's going. So he's actually taking advantage. And I say more power to him. I don't have a problem with it. But I'm just wondering where, where the batteries are going to go. And, and if it were based on profit, uh, like anything else, like, like uh, you know, gas, diesel cars, things like that, where they actually have a, a, a free market as opposed to a government-regulated market, how much would it be different? How many electric cars would there be? You know, if people had to pay for right. the the battery to be recycled or as I want to do, put a hazmat fee, you know, on the batteries themselves, not to hurt your friend, but just because it's not fair that um, these ridiculous subsidies go to electric cars and gas cars, you know, get uh, penalized or restricted or they're trying to take them off the market completely. This is, it's just a weird right. market. I don't know how the, so how's Wall Street looking at this? How are they looking at the, the big three automakers making gas cars or electric cars 
artificial electric car market with a uh, with it's like free market for 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 gas cars, you know, uh, controlled market for electric cars. That's got to be screwing up the market uh, for the uh, yeah. But I'm not sure. I mean, like you know, Tesla. Huh. If you'd have bought Tesla, you know, three or four months ago, you know, you'd have about a thirty or forty percent gain. Um, wow. You know, I mean, so Tesla's Tesla's killing it. You know, when you go to the bigger automakers, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're not they're not moving as quickly um, because they still produce other cars. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, just the idea of an electric pickup cracks me up because how much can it haul? <laughs> you know, how much, you know, and right. battery power declines. You know, gasoline does not lose power. You that la- we were talking about this on the show the other day. That last cup of gasoline in your car is just as powerful as the first cup. You know, and you've got 16 right. gallons, maybe 20 gallons, things like that. So gasoline doesn't, but electric car batteries do. So if yeah. you overload your pickup, you know, are you, is your battery going to drain faster? I mean, there's all these little oh, things. Oh, yeah, that really, absolutely. Uh, huh. that, was the, that was one of the problems with the, the new Ford Lightning. They were saying, um, you know, while it, while it did have, you know, a 300-mile range or something like that, there's videos of people towing things and only getting 100 miles. <laughs> wow. Yeah, huh? I mean, I don't know if that's if that's a problem that's been that's been rectified, but you know, I mean, I I would say uh, you know that would deter me from buying it. I would tell you as much. I mean, you know, I mean, I tow things with my truck. I mean, while it not be far, I would hate like heck to you know tow it somewhere and then get back in and you know now now you can't go anywhere. And what are they <laughs> going to bring to fix your problem? Uh, a gasoline generator. <laughs> so yeah, like, and, and then you wait. Then you might as well go to Motel right. 6 and camp out for that, yeah. Um, Marco's right. got a comment from the Netherlands. He's talking about the electric trucks can pull a lot, but only for a few meters. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, uh, which I should ask Marco, if you have a comment, you can sneak in quickly here, what the, the electric car situation is in, in the Netherlands. I'd be curious because they're so overregulated there. Um, we haven't even done the report yet. We should probably get to that because I know you've got to go at the top of the hour. Yeah, and sure. Guess, yeah. All right, well, I'm um, I'll go ahead into it. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. Stocks continue to gain steam. Equity markets rose for the fourth day following the release of wholesale price data. Yesterday, CPI came out and beat expectations, showing inflation is softening. International equity markets followed suit and moved higher as well. In the fixed income market, Treasury yields prices uh, rose. We think that fixed income investors are starting to price in long-term Fed rate as lower inflation gives the Fed leeway to be less aggressive and possibly allows to lower rates sometime next year as inflation as inflation gets close to the Fed's 2% long-term target. The price of oil also gained ground as investors anticipate longer global growth. The U.S. equities closed higher with the Dow Jones up 47 points or 0.14 to 34,394. Uh, NASDAQ closed up 220 points or 1.58% to 14,139. And the S&P 500 closed up 38 points or 0.85 to 45,10. In the bond market, 10-year Treasury yields are trading at 3.76, lower by 0.09. Um, in the commodity markets, price of crude oil was up a dollar forty-eight, or one point nine five percent, to seventy-seven twenty-three. And the spot price of gold was up uh, two dollars and ninety cents, or point one five, to nineteen sixty-four sixty. This is Derek Park of the Action Radio Financial Report. You can get me at eight five zero nine nine five zero zero eight two. Hmm. So interesting. I also happened. Yeah. Go ahead. What? Since Mark goes on, um, you know, Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, you know, Bitcoin in the last month has gained 24%. Um, you know, that's Whoa. based off, uh, you know, better better economic data. So, yeah, Bitcoin was trading at about 25,000 25, a coin a month ago. 
um, and it's trading at 31,172 now. So, um, you know, that's based on optimism of inflation going down and markets increasing. While people with Bitcoin, you know, anticipated that they shouldn't be tethered to the market, they shouldn't be tethered to the economy. Unfortunately, it is. <laughs> so, um, and most. Why do you think it shouldn't be? Any other. Um, they say because it's decentralized, right? It's decentralized. It's not a government-controlled currency, um, you know, and the anticipation was that it wouldn't be influenced by economic factors, um, um, you know, uh, uh, economies, things like that. But it seems to be very tethered to what goes on in the U.S. economy more so than anything, um, you know, so – How could they think it wasn't um, going to be – I mean, any currency that floats worldwide, you know, from yen to drachmas to kroners to euros to you name it. Uh, they're all yeah. judged against other currencies and other economies. How can they think it wasn't Absolutely. going to be affected by these other markets? So that that makes no sense. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it, I'm just, just saying what the anticipation of it was. You know, I mean, everybody, their their argument when Bitcoin was coming in is, oh, well, you know, I mean, the government can't control it. Oh, you know, I mean, the U.S. dollar is a fake currency. You know, I mean, like, so you should just <laughs> go buy this electronic currency. Um, you know, um, you know, and there was, there was many arguments. You're back by well, nothing. I mean, it's it's. Well, I mean, the U.S. the U.S. currency. And I mean, they always act argue that it's that it's backed by nothing. Okay, right. well, it's it's not backed by nothing. It's backed by the good faith of the U.S. government, which people will say is nothing, right? But bonds get ratings worldwide, right? There's only ten countries. Um, in the in the world, out of what is it, 191 countries, right? There's only 10 countries yeah. that have bonds that are AA rated or better um, in positive yields, right? right? Positive good yields. I mean, there's some that are that are trickling into you know quarter percent stuff like that. I mean, nobody's going to buy those bonds, you know. So especially when they can go buy one from you know the U.S. at you know three and a half percent, you know, why would you right. buy one for a quarter? Nobody would, right? So yeah. you know, we're we're selling these bonds. You know, while the U.S. has had a default, they've never missed a payment, right? In their, in their entire history, they've never missed a payment. You know what I mean? So I'm not arguing that there's no use for Bitcoin, but when you buy Bitcoin, you're buying Bitcoin because, trust me, bro, it's going to be big. You know what I mean? That's why you're, you're, you're buying Bitcoin. There's absolutely, other than the fact that it's decentralized, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're, there, there is nothing that says that it will be good other than people's anticipation of it being good. You know, so uh, well, I said and, when I said and, back by nothing, I was referring to Bitcoin. Um, your lines fading yeah. in and out. It gets, it gets kind of muffled and it gets really clear. So I don't know what's going on. Whether it's a, a distance I, thing or your phone away. <laughs> well, that could that would do it. Yeah. Um, but if we yeah. could include, I would just if you can make a note to yourself somewhere, I would just automatically include Bitcoin in the report. I think that's good to know. Uh, and I think that uh, and anything else you want to add to it, feel free. Um, because this is the only time we really get to talk about this economic stuff. Um, but it's yeah. just fascinating that, uh, that Bitcoin, you know, and, and currency, well, why they thought it wasn't going to float. Currency floats unless they, man, unless they mandate the price of it, which of course would be stupid, <laughs> you know, but unless they mandate the price of it, uh, it's going to float. It's going to float in value. In fact, that's the whole attraction to it is, you know, what, what was it when it first came out? Five cents a coin or something? Or I mean, what was the original price? Do you remember? Or was it yeah, a fixed price? Sure. Okay, but it's pretty yeah. low, right? Yeah, sure. So if you bought yeah. a gazillion, you know, bitcoins at one dollar, you know, and, and yeah. sold them at thirty thousand, you know, you can make it. That, that's 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 you know a huge amount of profit. Yeah. Huh? Do you still have to pay tax Absolutely. on that? I guess you would because it's even though it's not a government currency, is it is it treated um, like a regular? Well, well, 
you well, do now. I mean, so they have it. They have it fixed okay. unless you're training on foreign, um, you know, forex and stuff like that. But you uh-huh. know, when you set it up now, now I mean, you're you're almost being forced to be sent a 1099 when you fill everything out. So companies are are being forced to to make you. Are there loopholes in this still? I'm sure there are because those people are very crafty. Um, you know, and that's really what the government's big complaint was was. You know, it, it, they don't really care that you're trading it. They don't care that it's there, but you know, they mm-hmm. they want they, they want, want their, your, their piece. They want their piece of it. You know, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's do they care what you buy with it and do things like that? That's not mm-hmm. a big of concern right now, but I promise you, it will be. And the bottom line is, is the government isn't making money off of it. Yeah, is it any easier or any harder to control if they they're going to try for this central bank digital currency thing? Because this is already a digital currency. Is that easier controlled and monitored than say dollars or cash that people have? Oh man, that gets a little convoluted. I would say because it's electronic currency, it could be monitored easily more easily. The problem is, is they don't know where it all is and who's got what. I mean, they got people in wallets that they can't even find. You know that they have Bitcoin currency that that they've done something with, and and you know have no idea where it is. Huh? Yeah. That's interesting. So so where, where's our? Where, oh, this is fascinating. Um, is uh, any movement on? Is there any any action on that? Is is the government? You know, when the government wants to do digital currency for everything, you know, and get rid of our cash, uh, have they automatically included Bitcoin in that already, or do we not know yet? Um, ooh, I don't know. Okay. I mean, you don't have to, just for folks that are wondering why I ask questions like this, you know, for especially our newer members of the audience, I ask impossible questions. Many times, I, I don't have the answer. You know, whoever I'm talking to, our, our wonderful reporters don't have the answer, but that's part of the, the fun of doing this is because we, I like to ask the questions that nobody else is thinking of. And, and then we go take a look. And then we go see if we can find right. it. And this is, this is kind of how it works around here. Um, one more thing. i got Catherine on the line. And so we're going to get to the top of the hour. Um, we'll be, be great. This is a great day. Everybody's calling in on time. It's wonderful. Um, China owes us a trillion dollars. I saw the story once, and then it disappeared. So they've borrowed. We've how it works. Well, they, they picked up our treasury. So they're, they're contributing to us. I think we owe them $850 billion in, in, in securities. But they owe us a trillion. Has right. that popped up on the radar screen anywhere? I haven't seen anything. Huh. Okay, just curious because I had a story from the Hill. I was just wondering about that. Okay, anything else we got uh, that we should be chatting about? No, i got to run though. So, you know, I mean, I can't stay oh. late today. And well, let's, let's do it now then. And any um, uh, information, location, websites, phone numbers, things like that. Let's get that out now so we get it both the beginning and the end of your report. And thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Yep, no problem. Well, um, this is Dirk with the Action Radio Financial Report. If you uh, have any questions or concerns, you can give me at 850-995-0082. There we go. Thank you, sir. Talk to you next week. Yep. Or not. We'll see what's going on. Derek's a busy guy, so I, I get him when I can, but uh, it's just fine to do our economic report. So in the next hour, we're going to talk about all of the um, amendments that, that no one else is talking about, which is kind of standard around here, um, of the uh, defense authorization bill. So I've got Catherine Arnett, our special military correspondent and, and uh, reporter to the show. And so I'm going to bring her back in about a minute and a half. I want to get to you, our contact information, uh, take a break myself, and then we'll be right back. 
Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. All right, so let's, uh, let's get a round of applause here for Catherine Arnett. Make her line live. Hey, Catherine, how you doing? Hi, Greg. I'm good. How are you? All right. Having a great time. We've, uh, we've already had a couple of folks already. We had Tara D with our pet report. We just had um, uh, Derek with financial report. And then we've got you to go over what I just found fascinating. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it yourself because I only gave it to you, you know, yesterday, last night, I think. But there's a ton of amendments to this defense authorization bill. And uh, given your military experience, I thought you'd be the perfect person to talk about this and, uh, and find out why these amendments are coming out, why they're not talked about in more detail. Most of us have a, a, you look at the average report in the news and it being liberal news, they said the Republicans are trying to sabotage the defense authorization bill. Um, they, and it lists like one or two things. Uh, usually I think it's like travel expenses for abortions and some other things, you know, transgender stuff, which shouldn't be funded. But that's it. But there's, there's really some intense stuff here on China and some other things. And that's why I wanted you on to sort of, uh, you know, find out what the basis of some of these and where they're coming from. So that's why you're here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, DEI caught my attention. What's and DEI? I think that's Tell a very that. important one to, to get rid of, the diversity, equality, and inclusion. I think that's a I very that was, important uh, one to tackle. Get rid I, of. I remember when you were on previously, you were talking about some kind of travel thing. So that, when I heard DI, that it was, um, I was thinking that was that travel thing that you were specializing in uh, when you were on with Neil. But that was Neil McCabe from One American News. But that was something different, right? D something. Uh, yeah, what? so the defense, the defense travel system, to be honest, there are so many amendments. I could possibly have read them all, but <laughs> I, I didn't see anything specifically about defense travel system. Now, if I overlooked it, Perhaps I did, but um, okay. yeah, defense travel system I think is is different than than, than this. Oh, it's definitely different than DEI. Well, as I call it, division, extortion, and uh, idiocracy. See, I like to rename everything. 
Um, but, oh, uh, DEI versus DTS. Yes, completely yeah. two different entities. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I got, <laughs> well, I'm not going to acronyms. I like, I, like, what? I like that acronym, though. I like yours. Feel free to use it then. Because <laughs> we rename everything. You know, like I call the rhinos, you know, Republicans in name only. Uh, I've renamed them transgender Democrats. So everything gets renamed here. Uh, we, we have something that makes You can use that one, too. If I hear you, you're welcome to. Uh, this is why I put this stuff out there. If you're like, can I steal that? Is, well, yeah, that's why I said it. Oh, okay. Um, my other favorite, the one that actually makes sense is we call, uh, I never use the term fossil fuel anymore. It's organic fuels. And you put that out there, and it's like, it's natural. It's part of the earth. It's environmental to use organic fuels. Now you've changed the whole argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let me run a few of these by you. Let's see if I can get to all of them this hour, which would be kind of cool. Uh, and then we've got uh, Cowgirl Candace. Uh, in the next hour, we're going to talk horses and life and, you know, journeys and philosophy and everything else. So uh, everybody's here today. This is cool. Um, what I found last night, uh, it says summary of amendments to H.R. 20, 2670. That's the defense uh, authorization uh, bill. They do this every year. Uh, and there's like maybe like 80 amendments here. Some of these are pretty critical. And what I found was the rule. And so before a bill comes up for debate, uh, the House, I think the Senate does this also, they establish a rule. So they say how much time for debate, how many amendments, which amendments they're going to allow, you know, to be brought to the floor. And they, they basically structure a bill. And so I'm going to use this more often. It's directly from Congress. That's our source. So our source is the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, and so that's, that's where this comes from because it's HR, which means House Resolution. So let me, I'll give you the sponsors and, and the, uh, so like group them together. But the first ones are on China. So uh, Representative Williams from New York, uh, he's got three of them here. One, first one, prohibits any, any form of support or direct involvement by federal agencies in research that is conducted by the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party, or any of their affiliated agents, instruments, or entities. Why would our defense industry sponsor anything from China, especially the CCP, anyway? <laughs> and did you see any evidence of, uh, of China either support, sympathy, technology, you know, that you could talk about? Because um, I ask you a lot of questions. If you can't talk about it, just let me know. But uh, why, is this, why are they waiting until now to put this in? There should have been a ban on China 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Hmm. I think I think it's a great idea. I really do. I'm not sure if I'm at liberty to comment much more on it. Okay. Too bad because you know me. I'm going to ask anyway. So so my concern, of course, would be, and I, I'm free to speculate here, uh, is our military right. cooperating with China? <laughs> Are there? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, just let me go. And if you you can sort of like whatever you can say, sort of you know you can't nod because it's radio, but you'll have to say yeah that you're right on point there, or take or just get me off the air and say hey look at this area. It's like, okay, fine. Because I can say it, um, but uh, but this is but the whole idea of China is is our military involved with the the you know the so the what do they call them people's you know people's republic the PLA people's liberation army there we go and because I know China's mm-hmm. involved because obviously you know Brandon gets his money from China he's owned by China Anthony Blinken is too we just had that horrible summit mm-hmm. where they went as I call it you know getting instructions um, and so that's one here's another but there's an amendment here. To stop that. Are you, that, Greg, are you referring ahead. to the G7 summit? No, no, there was one they just went to. Well, it might have been a G7 oh, summit. Okay, okay. 
Okay, so uh, but there's one, one where Blinken was there, and I remember a post was talking about how he, you know, for, for people that are important, they get to sit at the top of the table, but for subordinates, they sit along the sides of the table. And of course, Blink, Blinken was along the sides, which is a real insult to him. But he was just there. Yeah. And it might have been G7. Really? Yeah, really quick thing about Blinken. Sure. I knew something was up when he wasn't commenting or wasn't visiting China because of that Chinese spy balloon thing. And um, I just amusing on it because I saw that while I was in jail. Um, I saw all of that unfold before my very eyes on the TV um, that we would watch when we would eat <laughs> while I was in jail. So, you know, I couldn't talk about it much then because I didn't have access to right. call people. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. Now. I was like, okay, Blinken, yeah. Blinken's a character. Blinken's definitely a character. Well, he's an aide. He's been a, a brand and aide for, for a long time. He's basically a stooge, an apparatchik. He's part of the machine. He does and says what yeah. he's paid to do and say, and he's definitely you know, China-supporting. Uh, one thing I didn't find in these amendments was any prohibition of uh, another case of General Milley, the, the alleged Joint Chiefs of Staff chief, who called his, quote, counterpart in China, you know, warning him about Trump. So in other words, he's a traitor. Uh, and so there's no prohibition against against international, you know, counterpart communication. But uh, this is, we got a long way to go. Let me get more of these here because this is fascinating. Uh, the next one by Green, uh, Representative Green, Tennessee, prohibits the Secretary of Defense from providing any support for the production of a film subject to content restrictions or censorship screening requirements from the Chinese Communist Party. So in other words, uh, the Chinese Communist Party is screening what we can put in our defense films. That's fascinating. I love how we're cracking down on that. I love how we're cracking down and we're getting specific. Like that, that that's good stuff. Yeah, but this is this isn't law yet. And here's what's interesting: is the Democrats are all rebelling. They're saying, "Well, you're you're messing." This is what you get in the news: the propaganda. So, well, you're messing with uh, you know the basic things, basic rights. You know, we can't do this. We can't support this. So, so the Democrats are not supporting this. But this is why I wanted to go over right. these amendments to show how good they really are. Next one. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a bunch of, a bunch of representatives, uh, Boebert included, who sponsored this one saying prohibits the sale of any goods manufactured, assembled, or imported from China at commissary stores or military exchanges. Is mm. that something you can comment on? Because you shop at commissaries, right? I do. I did. Yes. Um... I'd be curious to see what percentage. I'm Mm -hmm. very curious to see what percentage of things are made in China that are sold at commissary stores. I think that's all I can say. But that's a very, very curious uh, thing that raises questions. Huh. That's number 875. Um, But, uh, yeah, a bunch of folks. um, Let me see. One, two, three. There's about six uh, members that sponsored that one. Next one, number 358, mm-hmm. uh, from Stefanik, who's a name people should know. Adds U.S. entities that partner with universities in China and Russia that maintain partnerships with their military or intelligence services to a DOD, that's Department of Defense list, of U.S. universities that are engaged in malign activities. and prohibits the DOD, and there's another acronym, RTD&E, I know it. It's probably Research Development something and something, funding from going to any entity on that list. There's another one. So, so the first four of these are all about China. But you didn't hear anything about China. China amendments in the news. They didn't even talk about it. Mm-hmm. But here they are. Not. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, is the news so bought and paid for by China that uh, no one's you know, mm-hmm. willing to go over this? Yet these are really good amendments. So those, those that don't, this actually would help the Republicans. The Republicans should publish this list. You would think they would. 
the geldings. Mm-hmm. Here's another yeah. one. Prohibits the secretary, uh, this is number 377, prohibits the secretary of defense from paying for or reimbursing expenses relating to abortion services. This is a big one. All right. This is an amendment version of H.R. 1297. Uh, and you've got about 12 representatives sponsoring this one. What's going on? What can you tell me about this? How much? Why are our tax dollars, especially when we have the Hyde Amendment, which says you can't you can't put federal money towards abortions? What's going on in the military? Do they have ads in the health centers saying, hey, come on by for your free you know, taxpayer abortions? What's going on with the military in this that you can tell me? So I didn't. I didn't see any in the health uh, centers. I didn't see any advertisements or like blatant um, uh, invitations on my base, right, in mainland Japan. Mm-hmm. But something that really stood out, and it's kind of hard to ignore it whenever it's the only TV that, you know, exists <laughs> in the room oh, yeah. eating and chill. Yeah. But, um, one of the very loud TV advertisements was it was like a fact blaster um, for the armed services, you know, come get your abortion at the clinics because they're funded and they're free. And I, and, and that, that I was like, it, it's hard to ignore. So, you know, I, I saw these advertisements on TV and I'm like, this is this is what we're advertising to our troops. So I think that's all well, I can say. But um, yeah, they definitely want to make it known in some avenues. So is it Planned Parenthood? Are they being are they the ones that uh, do abortions on military bases? Are these done on military bases or these private hospitals? I have no idea the sponsor of it, and I am not huh. sure if the hospital in Iwakuni. Or maybe even Okinawa. I don't know. But I don't think the hospital in Iwakuni, the Naval Clinic, had that capacity. Um, I feel like it's more, you know, I don't I don't know if I should say this or not, but I feel like it might be more targeted towards, like, Army and Navy because those were the uniforms that the ladies were wearing and the men were wearing in the uh, – in the advertisements that I saw. Well, that's interesting. Are the, I wonder if, uh, you know, the pregnancy rate is lower in the Air Force for some reason. I mean, that'd be an interesting study. Well, this is, this is what I'm wondering. So, so, yeah, so the military, uh, I'm not sure how long women have been serving and serving in combat roles and serving in all the different areas, but that's one of the problems, one of the first things they notice. You know, the, the, the Navy, they used to come with the love boats, and women would come back pregnant in large numbers. Uh, and that was one of the issues, I think, on carriers and submarines, just because of submarines being underwater in close quarters and aircraft carriers having so many people. It's like a city. Um, but do you think that this is this is the, the military's way of handling uh, the fact that they have young, healthy, hormone-charged um, men and women together in close proximity? And they're just not talking about it too much. I, I think it could be that, and I think it could run deeper than that as well with, you know, the other, um, I guess, Our, agendas, if you will. So here's another nasty I question. You may not be able to, say, to answer this one. Go ahead. What were you going to yeah. say? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm just hmm. saying I, I think I think it's bad, and then it goes deeper than that too, but I think that's all I can say. 
Okay, that's fine. Uh, believe me, I don't want to get you in trouble here, but I, I really appreciate having you on. Uh, is there pressure in the military for women who do get pregnant, um, single women especially, to have abortions so they can keep serving? Uh, I have not seen or heard any of that pressure. Um, the women that I know that did get pregnant either in in marriage or out of wedlock, I saw them fairly well supported. Um, okay, good. By um, by by my leadership, immediate leadership that I knew at the squadrons that I worked at. Um, I didn't I didn't hear about any one feeling pressured um, to get an abortion, and maybe maybe it's the maybe it's the climate of leadership there. Maybe it was just. Uh, the facilities hmm. and the access to stuff you had out there, but um, if someone got pregnant, it would come to terms. Yeah. Well, that's good. I wonder if it's different for officers. I'm going to bring Pianchi in, but I want to try and keep going through this list because obviously we're, I'm probably going to continue this Monday because this is fascinating. Pianchi, uh, you're on hmm. with uh, Catherine Arnett, me, and all the amendments to the Defense Authorization Act. Yeah, you know, you were talking about China. Good morning, uh-huh. guessing at you. You know, there's a lot of states passing bills at the state level that prevent U.S. adversaries from buying, leasing, and renting land within their state. And I know yep. that uh, at, in Louisiana, the outpour of individuals who came out to speak out against that bill was a Chinese that's working here on visas. Yeah, they don't really have a voice. Don't care about that. Yeah. Uh, now, on the mil- on a, but if it's so a federal good, military good base, thing. those that's, but if it's a federal military base, that state law is not going to apply, is it? Well, you know, we have the D fifty twos house here and uh, station here in, in Louisiana, so that would prevent them from buying any land around uh, that facility for a given distance. I think it's, well, a given distance, but prevents them from buying land in period because you don't know who they are, what they use. Well, I don't want a lot of land the Chinese buying land because we can't buy land there. Let me, let me hold that up a little bit. I want to get through some more amendments here. Uh, I think you're going to find these these quite fascinating. Here's another one. It restricts the Department of Defense funding for fundamental research collaboration with certain PRC. That's the People's Republic of China. And so there's another China one. Here's another one. Prohibits the U.S. government and those that contract with the U.S. government from acquiring. Oh, this one's different. So any... Why aren't these these coming out? I mean, that's both Pianchi and, and Catherine. Why is the media not saying anything about these amendments to restrict China, particularly uh, the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army, from having contact with our military and us, you know, cooperating and funding stuff? That's like the key, I think, to this whole series of amendments. I think there's a lot of uh, truth coming out from that. Um... There was something back in May or June that that uh, ordered the origin of COVID to start coming out um, being unclassified or declassified or something, and I think these amendments are uh, in correspondence to it. 
Oh, that's interesting. So what was that order? What happened? I, I'm not familiar with this. Let me let me find it really quick. Um, you, I have to keep the conversation going while I look. Um, <laughs> well, I can do but, that. Uh, or you can just do it another time. I don't yeah. want to take your time away from that because I've got a couple more here that are, are fascinating. Uh, we can follow up on specific mm-hmm. ones maybe next week. But listen, to, here's where it gets even mm-hmm. better. Um, uh, Amendment 389 from Gallagher, uh, sen- uh, Representative Gallagher of Wisconsin, prohibits the U.S. government and those that contract with the U.S. government from acquiring genetic sequencing equipment from Beijing Genomics Institute, the BGI and its subsidiaries. Why are we getting genetic sequencing equipment from Beijing? <laughs> and why is it that, in the defense that's, bill? It's very concerning, um, the fact that that was being even sourced. Um, I sent you a picture of the uh, the article or the kind of the thing going on about – I'll just read it. U.S. Okay. Director of National Intelligence to declassify all information on COVID-19 origins by Sunday as required by law, and that was back on June 16th. So, okay, so a almost ago. a month has passed. Yeah, a month has passed since that, and I'm sure there's uh-huh. plenty of fun information um, being declassified um, in response to that, which, of course, the media is not talking about. Well, DARPA, the whole DARPA connection, the Ralph Barrick, University of North Carolina, I mean, the, the whole game of function was a military funded, uh, Dr. Fast funded operation that ended up in Wuhan because it was banned here under Obama. I mean, the connections are, are huge between our, our military and yeah, the Chinese right. military, especially over, uh, over COVID. We're going to get more of these in a minute. Go ahead, Yankee. I think I was going to say something. All right. Let me give you the big one. He comes and goes and gets, you know, this, this, we're all doing, we're all multitasking here. I'm reading stuff, punching buttons, catching messages. It's pretty crazy. So here's one for you here. Uh, this is uh, Amendment 1029 from Gallagher again, Gallagher of Wisconsin, directs the Department uh, of Defense Inspector General to determine the total amount of DOD, that's Department of Defense dollars, paid to Eco Health Alliance the Wuhan Institute of Virology, or any other lab or organization affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party. That's huge. That is huge. And that's not being reported. The Department of Defense Inspector General, those are the people, that's the watchdog, right, for folks that don't know, to determine the total amount of DOD dollars paid to EcoHealth Alliance. Now, EcoHealth Alliance, that's Ralph Barrick. That's where they did the gain-of-function research. That's where Fauci shipped it overseas because he couldn't do it in the United States anymore. Where did it end up? The Wuhan lab. When did we tell you this? February 25th with Bill Gert, national, uh, uh, the national security correspondent for the Washington Times. I just post that episode again, and that was from February 20th, of 2020. We're talking before most people knew what COVID was. We were already reporting that uh, this came from Wuhan. They're still disputing it. They just had a hearing a couple of days ago, you know, in the House. And these two stooges, these two apparatchiks from the government, you know, said, well, we think it's, uh, you know, it really was the wet market. It really came from a pangolin. It really came from a bat. And say, you people, do you really think we're that stupid now? And here's an amendment. Why is this even controversial that uh, we should be cutting out? Why are we spending any money on the Eagle Health Alliance, Wuhan Institute of Virology, or any other organization affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party who released COVID on the world anyway with our own folks, Dr. Fascist included. This is, I, this is staggering to me. This is, I read this stuff last night. I'm like, oh, my God. Comments? Then I got another one for you. doesn't get any better. Um, comments on that one, I'm not sure exactly who 
the immediate DOD inspector general is, but I did just send you a letter from the acting inspector general by the name mm -hmm. of Sean O'Donnell. He okay. directed a inspector general investigation or questions about the approval, the religious accommodation approval process that was basically mass denied for the COVID-19 vaccine to the you know, the religious objectors. So um, it's curious why we are directing, why we have to. It's curious why we mm -hmm. have to even direct that these things are prohibited. Very curious. That's all I can yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, who authorized them in the first place? Who, who authorized exactly. all the spending on Wuhan from our defense budget? Well, this is the DARPA connection, so I got to look into this. I'll probably pick this up Monday. So something tells me if you're available, I'll see if you can, uh, you know, come back on the show. If not, we'll just, or maybe pick a day next week okay. when uh, I can get you back. Uh, here's another one: Amendment sure. 602. Oh, thank you. Prohibits funds authorized by this act from being used to engage in direct bilateral cooperation with the People's Republic of China or China-affiliated organizations, that could be huge, on biomedical research programs without explicit authorization from Congress and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Oh, oh my gosh. So many. <laughs> okay. Two, two things. Two things that I'm at liberty to say. One, I would always bring up questions of national security to my officers and, and my leaders, and they would just always shut me down because they were too embarrassed to answer, or they didn't quite frankly have the answer. And then, what was the second thing that I was going to say? I was going to say something else. I'll think of it. Okay. That happens to me all the time. But, all of us. Because yeah. we, we get our minds racing. So I want to say this. I want to say that. So oh. I have a notepad. Oh, oh, Go oh, oh, I got it. I got it. Okay, so, many, so many rogue agents. You know, the SECDEF. I think, aren't we still doing a FOIA request into the SECDEF's oath of office? Like, there's so many rogue agents just acting freewheeling. They're freewheeling. And this, this amendment, this NDAA, all these amendments just, it's disheartening. That's all I'm at liberty to say. It's beyond disheartening. But to peering behind the curtain, seeing what the hell has been going on, this is this yeah. insane. However, yeah, um, and this, yeah that's, that's all where we're going over it right now. Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. Um, but this is why this, these amendments are critical. Now they may have done these amendments before. We don't know. In fact, the Democrats may have added stuff in this year that was prohibited in the last one last year. So I don't know that yet. So this might, uh, mm. but it's certainly they need to prohibit it this year. So in other words, if these amendments are here, that means there's money already in the bill for these things and they're trying to take it out. So that's that. Let's put that in perspective. Uh, another one uh, from Rosendale, uh, Amendment 194 prohibits TRICARE, which I guess is military health care from covering uh, and uh, the Department of Defense from furnishing sex reassignment surgeries and gender hormone treatments for trans transgender individuals. So TRICARE can't cover that anymore. It's not going to be paid for by um, military health plan. Well, tell me about TRICARE. And this is another controversial amendment, but it makes sense. I am not too schooled um, on the medical side of the military, Greg. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything that I don't know too much about. However, I can okay. definitely tell you that this whole transgender and woke ideology is not contributing to anything uh, for forced readiness. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, now, Tricare. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe that's maybe that's healthcare after you're out of the military. Maybe that's a that's a veteran program. That might be what it is. And you know, it might to, be active. 
and reservist or after after uh, active duty. I, I again, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, but the main thing is stopping the the Defense Department from furnishing, from paying for. Now, my stand on, on on this whole transgender thing is very clear. There's no such thing. There is no transgender. You are not changing your gender. You're not going from a man to a woman or a woman to a man. You can't do that. It's biologically impossible. Can do is have cosmetic elective surgery and cos- and and uh, elective drug therapies. So if you're doing things that are cosmetic and elective, to me, that's a personal choice. It's not medically necessary. You just want to do it. In that case, there's no reason for anybody else to fund it except you. You, the person that wants to have this done. I wouldn't stop people from doing it, but, uh, but it's either the military or anywhere else. There's no reason for anybody, else, even insurance companies. This should not be paid for uh, unless you, you buy special coverage for it. If you want to do that, great. I don't care. But in, in regular health plans, but especially the military should not be paying for anything trans anything because it's, it's a lie. And they're not even mentioning that they still call it transgender, but there is no such thing. That's my stand. Well, you, it's not a physical alteration. It's a self-identification. It's what being recognized, but you are physically altering yourself. You're actually neutering yourself you're taking you know men and women and making them less than what they were putting them no, somewhere in the middle this is why i think it's such a say, you remember rachel dolchel in california the white woman that claimed she was black oh well, i remember she was her, yeah. Able to say she, yeah she was <laughs> able to say she was black and but she didn't have surgery she's a white female she was able to say she was black and people in organizations that went along with it. yeah she said if, well, if uh, she self-identified she got a right to self-identify it doesn't have to be a medical change, but it's how a person identifies. Yeah, but nobody they paid for her extra makeup. I mean, it was you know it wasn't a taxpayer funded thing. Um, let me get on the the the, the next thing uh, here. Well, let me ask Catherine a question. Um, the so-called transgender, or what I call the trans neuter, are were were you forced to treat these folks differently? Um, not say anything. Was there like you know penalties for making jokes? I mean, how how is this whole woke nonsense handled? that you can tell me uh, in the military? So I've seen a lot of stand downs and a lot of training, quote unquote, let me just say quote unquote training (laughs) going on in the Air Force, Army and Navy. Um, Whenever I was in Iwakuni, it it wasn't talked about. It it wasn't really a thing. I believe, I I can't provide numbers or statistics on this, but I believe the transgender um, ideology and people affected by it are much lower, at least for now, (laughs) in the Marine Corps. Um, And you still have some... They know who they are. (laughs) Marines know who they are. (laughs) Uh, You have have some leaders... um, so it's an unspoken thing, but they still are, you know, doing their best to uphold, you know, traditional values or insofar as much that they're just not succumbing to the woke ideology and, you know, pandering to, to the left in the ranks yet. So in the Marine Corps, what I immediately experienced on my base and any training um there there was no participation 
or um, sharing that ideology or correcting people's pronouns because it it just wasn't that widespread. And I think the Marine Corps is one of the last bastions of hope to provide, you know, the example and set the example for the military and be like, we don't need this for force readiness. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually encouraging to know uh, because this isn't a small percentage of the population, unless you're on a liberal college campus, in which case I think one of them just identified like Brown University, you know, 40% of the people thought they were either transgender or gay or something else, which is ideological nonsense. Let's get to, uh, I got some amendments here on Taiwan. Uh, you were in Japan. You, uh, I am sure, like I said, here's once again, always the, all the disclaimer, what you can tell me. Um, did you exchange with Taiwan? Were you operating with Taiwan uh, soldiers at all? Were there joint operations um, or, or, or things between Japan and Taiwan? What, what can you tell me about uh, your experience with Taiwan? There are definitely joint operations and exercises going on. Um, that's all I'm at liberty to say just because of that's fine. No, I, you know, like I say, I, I, I always, I'm, I'm just going to ask, and you can just tell me what you can tell me, and this, that's standard for any time we talk. All right, here's one. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked in the, I worked in the fiscal department, so I would send a lot of my Marines, um, you know, to certain parts of the Pacific to do training. Um, Australia was a big one um, to do joint exercises. For, uh, you know. Hmm. Did you get down there? Did, did you get down not, to Australia? I did not, unfortunately. Oh, no, but um, yeah. I know. I would send a lot of my guys out there. Um, so, yeah, there, there was training Your and exercises, but I can say. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I want to get there because I spent very four cool. years in Melbourne. It was so very I say, cool. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. So I want to I take Action Radio down to Australia. I want to broadcast from there for maybe like a month. Uh, just because, uh, especially since we have, well, yeah, and you, you'd go, you'd be, I, I'd, I'd drag you down, you know, as well. Um, but especially since we, <laughs> do yeah, well, you know, you, you're part of the family now, so, you know, uh, but uh, especially since we have an Australian Bill of Individual Rights, which I'm, a, I'm not at liberty to say much more than that, just, uh, just to quote Catherine, uh, but things are happening with it in Australia. And that's, that's something that uh, Jen Clark and I wrote uh, last year. And I think that's going to have a major political impact uh, over time as things are changing in Australia, because people are resisting, just like they resisted the, the, the Pride Month, you know, which uh, I always called the Gay Pride Month, so people knew what it was. You know? And as I, I told oh. Pianchi, you know, uh, not, not saying Gay Pride Month, that's like calling Black History Month History Month. You've just, you just taken away all the significance of it and all the meaning and all the identity. Why would you do that? Anyway. Yeah, it's like if you really... It's- if they're intent and they're serious about, you know, flaunting their pride or whatever, like call a spade a spade, why can't you put gay in front of it? You know, ooh, yeah. don't say gay. Yeah. Or, or like hiding, what are y'all trying to hide? I thought y'all wanted to be out and loud and proud, you know. Exactly. Well, I, I post a uh, LGBT <laughs> quit bothering me. <laughs> you know, that's my new group. That's on my Facebook Oh, my page. gosh, Our, that's good. That's funny. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 scroll down. It's, it's the, the one with my, my avatar in a pool. You know, and I spell out L-G-B-T-Q-U-I-T-B-O-T-H-E-R-I-N-G-M-E. So that's my new group, L-G-B-T, Quit Bothering Me. And rhymes, too. All right, Amendment 565, prohibit the use of funds made available by this act, which would be the Defense Authorization Act, to refer to Taiwan as anything other than Taiwan in publications or on departmental and agency websites. Did you see Taiwan written, or was it, uh, was it listed as China? 
and military stuff. Could you say Taiwan? Uh, I am not aware of this interchangeability or referencing to Taiwan as anything else. Also, I would just like to provide clarification on the commentary from the last or sure. the other article. Uh-huh. Um, so whenever we did joint training exercises, I know that we did them with the Japanese um, defense on base, right, because we were literally stationed in Japan. Um, right. And we did it with, like, in Australia with other forces. Can I name all of the countries that were the forces there? No, I, I couldn't name all of them. Well, I'll um, take a few. And I'm, you can name anybody you can think yeah. of. I'm curious now. Who else was there? Yeah. Um, but I just, I just wanted to provide clarification um, okay. on that. The, okay, but Australia was obviously Taiwan, there. Then, uh, Philippines, were they course. there? Again, I'm not the, sure um, how much I can comment on who who all and everything was there. Um, okay, I'll ask you later. I'm going to guess. I'm just going to guess. I would yeah. say the Philippines would be there, Indonesia would be there, South Korea would be there, Australia would be there, India would be there, because uh, they're part of that, that uh, coalition, the, the Australia, India, Japan, South Korea, what, I forgot what it's called, compact. Here's another one, another amendment for you. Prohibits the use of funds made available by this act to promote a one country, two systems solution for Taiwan. I have no idea what that is, but this is China. This is the Chinese Communist Party telling our military how to talk about Taiwan. That's why I'm so offended. Yeah, that's curious. You know, the... Although I was out in the Pacific and everything, and, like, the the Taiwan uh, question was, you know, fairly talked about, and um, the islands have definitely been a source of contention. Um, I can't say that I know all the intricates and uh, stuff mm-hmm. like this about referencing and funds. And, well, I just wanted your general uh, impressions of these amendments based on your experience in the military. That's really – we don't need incredible specifics or, or all the details and the plans and things like that. I know you're trying to give me the best answers, but uh, it's more uh, your experience is, is trying to either validate – or discount these amendments as being good amendments or worthless. That's really all I'm trying to do. Uh, and so far, okay. it looks like they're, I wish, they're pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I wish I could provide more commentary and knowledge and insight on Taiwan. Uh, but I'm going to be honest, that was not something that I was, um, I guess, focused well, we, on, if I can say we, that. A lot, a lot of my yeah. stuff was like the leak research with the whole COVID shot. Um, also, I'd like to clarify to the audience, I w- I'm not saying that, oh, I was just, you know, a Lance Corporal, but um, I, did, I didn't have scope or oversight that, you know, a lot of your officers do on, you know, these, these, uh, these topics, these, you know, heady topics such as this. Um, but obviously my fight was very deeply involved with the COVID um, mm-hmm. So I can yeah. I can freely comment on that, but <laughs> well, we're stuff, I'm those, not gonna. Those yeah, I'm not gonna out. have as much insight or knowledge. As, you know, yeah. maybe some of your officer contributors to the show could have. Well, that's okay. But here's what I'm thinking too: is if uh, you ever want to put together a report, we need a military reporter, obviously. Um, people that know foreign stuff, you know, um, international relations, military policy, things like that. So if you ever want to put together a report and present it. Mm-hmm. You're free to do so. I mean, I'd love to have that. Um, here's okay. one that's interesting. Prohibits, oh, you're welcome. Prohibits the use of funds to forbid active duty military officers of Taiwan from wearing their uniforms during visits to the United States. Do we actually pay, huh. do we, are there funds that, that make Taiwan officers not 
wear their Taiwan military uniforms in the United States or on U.S. military bases? That's disgusting. So, <laughs> yeah, just just by just by deduction by what these amendments are um, proposing, I mm. suppose. Let's see, Perry and Crane were able to trace some money down, and you know, prove that these funds were being used for that. So this yeah. is by deduction. Perhaps that does exist, but a lot of these Taiwanese things are uh, new to me as well. Yeah. And Catherine has the the same thing I have, which I post on my Facebook page. It's not a very big thing. It didn't come up with a nice glossy picture, you know, capital and things like that, but it's there. It's the house rule uh, on all these amendments. And Perry and, and Crane did that one. Um, but that's rather disgusting that, uh, that our military won't let. That's Millie. Millie who contacts his counterpart in China. I'm sure he gets instructions from his counterpart in China as to how to present Taiwan, you know, to us. That's where he's getting his orders from. That is that's so a whole, scary. That's, that I can't prove so, it. But so yeah. Now, there's another one here. Ensures oversight over the implementation of the Taiwan Enhanced Resilience Act. I have no idea what that is, and I don't expect you to know, but if you have any insight, let me know. Probably going to look that up for next week. Have you heard Negative. of that? The Taiwan Enhanced Resilience Act? Negative, Greg. No, sir. That's okay. Uh, resilience. What I would do is I would, I would ship about 5 million, maybe 1 million, AR-15s to Taiwan and, and train all their citizens how to use them. But that's, how that, but that's what I would do. Resilience. Act. I take a lot of notes during the show, folks. <laughs> a little break in the action. All right. So here's, and let's get back to, to more uh, Catherine's ballpark. Amendment 515, McLean, prohibits funding to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Gee, they keep popping up, don't they? As well as EcoHealth Alliance, hmm, heard them. Any subsidiary of EcoHealth Alliance, any organization directly controlled by EcoHealth Alliance, they're covering all the bases here, or any, or, or any organization or individual that is a sub-grantee or sub-contractor of EcoHealth Alliance. So obviously there's a Wuhan connection and an EcoHealth Alliance connection, and they're trying to stop all of it. That's fascinating. Yeah, all, all I can say is that I'm proud of these guys proposing these things and following the money and doing their research. Um, uh-huh. all, I, all I really want to stress and all I really want to say about this, anything that has to do with China and the, and the virus and especially the COVID-19 shot, that is mandated for the armed forces, all I want to say is that I brought up repeatedly, repeatedly in all of my paperwork to my officers that this is a national security risk. And, of course, they shut me down. And, of course, I was yeah. bringing up the conversation. And, you know, while, while the vaccine and my refusal of it kicked off everything um, to, to kind of set the motion for me going to jail, um, it was it was also the incessant questioning and the incessant um, challenging that I, that I would propose to my leaders, and I just got tired of it because they they saw a problem, they saw an issue, you know, with the lower enlisted bringing up these questions. Um, so that's all I really can say. Um, mm-hmm. I brought up all this stuff about national security in, in conjunction with the shot and everything. Well, it is. It is it's good, it's good you, to see these guys, you know, in, yeah. the, in Capitol Hill proposing these things, but it's disheartening that it even has to be proposed. 
Yeah, but it does, and that's that's where it gets crazy. Um, for those that don't know Catherine's story, we we covered that on several shows, so I'm not going to ask her to, you know, constantly repeat the same thing. Uh, so you just go up to uh, the top of your broadcast page, type in Action Radio, comma Catherine Arnett, and you can you can catch up on previous shows as to what we're doing. Uh, I want to move ahead. Uh, with Catherine on all these different issues. And that's why, you know, we're not specifically, you know, when you hear things like people for the first time are hearing that you were in jail and that you refused the shot and things like that, they can look up your story um, unless you want to say something. But I I just, I would rather not have you have to deal with that same thing every single time you're on the show because that just, that just takes up more time than we need. And uh, we need to go. We need to go on different things. Here's one that might be interesting for you. Includes a study. uh, Oh, did you want to say something? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. You're right. Okay. Oh, I love hearing that. Thank you. Amendment 525 <laughs> includes, includes a study to identify potential vulnerabilities in U.S. military systems and infrastructure that could be exploited by adversarial AI. In other words, artificial intelligence applications used by the PRC, that's the People's Republic of China, Russia, and other actors of concern. Why isn't this already being done? Why don't we have a study looking into AI? Why would this be an amendment and not a major portion of the bill? Hmm. That's a good What's question. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. The limited scope that I can provide on that is that um, I educated myself on autonomous weapons and future AI implications um, with some books in the brig. Um, that provided commentary on how AI is being used by all these countries. And, uh, ooh, yeah, Amendment 525, uh, mm-hmm. that points to pretty problematic things that are already going on. Um, true. Um, yep, yep, AI is definitely something that's exploitable, if not um, you know, given proper security by uh, certain places or entities. So, uh, yeah, good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Um, I just got a message from Candice real quick. She may not be able to make the show, so we may have some extra time after the top of the hour if you have some time. Um, because I really, I re- I'm fascinated going through these here. Another one, it says, fixes loopholes, this is 302, fixes loopholes in existing requirements for pricing data and clarifying when cost or pricing data is required. I'm thinking like the $600 toilet seat was the big joke, you know, way back when. It says, makes clear that requirements to provide <laughs> cost, yeah, you know that too, right? Provide cost or pricing information can only be waived when there is a price competition that results in at least two responsive and viable offers. Gee, is there any um, <clears throat> waste of money in the military, um, Catherine? How's that for an easy question? Uh, yeah where do you start okay fine yeah where do i start um yeah we're working in the fiscal office um i did my best to make sure that the these travel system uh payouts were being handled appropriately um have i seen or heard of misappropriations of money in other uh, avenues and places, perhaps. That's all I'm going for you to say. Um, but uh, definitely this amendment is reminiscent of uh, some price uh, misappropriations for some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. The military budget isn't that big. Uh, people are just talking about what I just said. Uh, eight, I think it's $858 billion for everything. 
Well, they just spent a couple of what, seven trillion on on COVID nonsense, creating all our inflation. The I think Afghanistan by itself, I guess this is either it's a separate budget or something, but that was about a seven trillion dollar operation uh, through exiles and extra things like yeah. that. But the actual military budget isn't that big compared to some of the other things we've been doing, especially borrowing uh, the last several years. Didn't. Didn't we just accidentally add a few zeros in the money we gave to Ukraine or something, too? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. Uh, you, you'd have to have, or Pianki maybe has some insight on that. I don't know. <clears throat> that would be interesting. Yeah, um, I, think, I think some why are we giving them any money? press reporter, right? Yeah. Um, I think some press reporter, I think, reported that we accidentally um, <laughs> put in a few extra zeros to... How about um, that? <clears throat> so it took millions to yeah. billions? Uh, is that what they did? <laughs> yeah, something okay. like that. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, y'all need to put me in charge of some money up top because, you know, I, I liked my job and I think I was good at my job. I, I liked what I did and I did my best to keep financial integrity um, at the squadron that I worked at. So, well, you know, there is a provision in here. Uh, one of these amendments calls for an audit of the Defense Department. Maybe you should uh, apply for that. Perhaps. <laughs> See? There's always possibilities. Here's one. Uh, 561 requires the Depart- Department of Defense to submit to Congress a report on... Oh, I think I already read that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, uh, oh no! This no, is we didn't. We did not. We didn't. It requires the DoD. They, they all start looking the same when I'm reading fast, right? To submit to Congress a right. report on whether any products sold at commissary or exchange stores in fiscal years 2022 or 23 were produced by companies that have participated in a boycott action against the state of Israel. That's interesting. I'm going to have to decline commentary on that one, Greg. We can talk oh. fair about that, but I'm not, not going well, to comment on that, that one. Well, see, now I'm interested in commentary stories. a long time. Go ahead, Pianchi. It's a That's long time it's been against the law to boycott Israel. In the military stores or anywhere in the United States? Well, as far as I know, anywhere. How do, you make that the, how do you make it against the law, though? Boycotts are, are you know, public participation. Like we boycotted Bud Light, you know. <laughs> something, <laughs> needs, something needs to be explored. Okay, all right. Well, let's let's look into it. Let's look into uh, uh, what's going on there. But I know, but I don't want my government, I don't want my military putting goods that uh, military folks have to buy, you know, made by companies that boycott Israel. This only makes sense to me. Another one here prohibits the Department of Defense from entering into contracts with entities that engage in a boycott of the state of Israel. So there's a couple of them here. Then we got another one here, prohibits provision of gender transition procedures, including surgery and medication, through the ex- Exceptional Family Member Program. Catherine, do you know anything about the Exceptional Family Member Program? Or is that a euphemism for transgender? Um, I, I don't think so. I think Exceptional Family Member Program has probably been longstanding. They're just trying to prohibit money from going to the surgeries for it. I, I, oh. I don't know anything else about that. I'm sorry. Okay. Here's one from a couple of my, my favorites, Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Greg Stubbe, uh, number 105, strikes $300 million from Ukraine funding. That's the latest. Is that the one that went to $300 billion? <laughs> they added three zeros to it? Is that what you're talking about? I, I, don't, think, I don't think that was the one, no. Oh, okay. Because that's a lot of money. 
300 billion. That's, that's, you know, we're talking serious money here. Um, What's interesting is I was reading this morning uh, from several different sources that Brandon has, uh, which he can't do because he's really not commander in chief, folks, just to let you know, it's a stolen election. He has no power, just to make that clear. But even so, he's called up 3,000 reservists um, to go to the 20,000 that he's already added to Europe. And I had no idea. We have 100,000 American soldiers in Europe. Yeah, that's a lot. Why? Do you know people that served in Europe? Any friends of yours? Love to yeah, have a few friends. Okay. Well, if you guys were talking, you know, you're welcome to bring anybody else on the show too. Just tell them what we do. <laughs> we're really open here and, uh, and make sure they know that they don't yeah. have to reveal everything just because I ask a question. But I would be okay. curious. My experience with the U.S. military in Europe was 1982 when I toured Europe. Uh, as, a, as a fresh, you know, graduate of a, of a liberal university of Massachusetts and promptly got a real education in what the world was like by crossing the Berlin Wall at Checkpoint Charlie, by watching uh, American army soldiers with a 50 caliber machine gun trained on East German soldiers who were repairing a section of the Berlin Wall where somebody had escaped um, previously, like in the week before. And so that, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking, because you know me, right? I walk around and talk to soldiers. And they've they got the guns are ready to go. They're ready to fire, right? And of course, you know me. I'm like, hey, guys, <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Is, is this for real? I says, yeah, it is. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know, I'm back, kind of back. I don't remember the exact conversation, but this was real. This was a, this was a serious standoff. Uh, now, I understand that because that was the Iron Curtain. That was, you know, West Berlin was this island of freedom surrounded by communist East Berlin that the Russians had taken at, uh, at the end of World War II. But so so th- this is, there's very real stuff that was going on then. But ever since the Soviet Union collapsed, the Warsaw Pact collapsed, NATO's been expanding across Eastern Europe, which they never should have done. And now it, that expansion has caused you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, they're doing better under Obama. They just seized Crimea. There's, there's no you know, war going on there. But uh, what's happening now is, is crazy. 100,000 soldiers. Why would you have 100,000 soldiers in Europe where all those countries have their own armies? That makes no sense to me. Any comment, Catherine or Pianchi? Let's go, Catherine, first. Negative. No, no comment from me. Okay. He, he must have some really good in reserve. I'm teasing you. Pianchi, why do we have 100,000 uh, 100, soldiers in Europe? Do you know any uh, folks that served there? No, but those countries do pay for some of that. I don't know how much, but they do pay something. Oh, that's nice. But we can, but we st- we still have to pay a lot too. So why don't we just save the money and not go? I know, see. Now here's the thing. I would understand military alliances, treaties, shared operations. We could fly in there for operations. We could fly back out again. But why we have to maintain fixed U.S. military bases in Germany, France, Spain, Italy, uh, England? Probably Norway, Sweden, all these different countries makes no sense to me. It's not about treaty. Um, yeah, well, NATO is a treaty, uh, and we're bound by it until we get out of it. But that's what I'm saying. We should get out of it. You know, I think uh, Marshall Taylor Green has a, has a treaty is supreme <laughs> until until. It's, but you can get out of a treaty. A treaty is only supreme while it's in force. Once it's not in force oh, anymore, yeah, once we, we always get it. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. We can get out of it. Here's another one. 1206 provides security assistance for Ukraine. Um, Gates did that. Oh, I'm sorry. I misread that. Prohibits security assistance for Ukraine. That's my Congressman Matt Gates. Uh, and then Green, Marjorie Taylor Green, strikes the creation of a center of excellence in Ukraine. That sounds like a Clinton Foundation money laundering operation. <laughs> 
center of excellence. <laughs> That's funny. That's just, so. So we got. But you know, one of the things in those treaties that those countries uh-huh. are required to uh, purchase commercial airliners from uh, American manufacturers and other things as uh-huh. much as they possibly can. Yeah, we could do that in a trade agreement, though. We don't have to do it in a military agreement. I mean, I think that's a good idea. If you want to, if you if you can negotiate uh, airliners being bought and things like that from them, or even U.S. military equipment being bought. I mean, Saudi Arabia buys a ton of our stuff, but they're not in NATO, so it's not a requirement. Japan's not in NATO; they buy a lot of our stuff. Well, that's a question for Catherine. That you can tell me how much U.S. military equipment is being used by Japanese uh, military forces, or do they design all their own stuff? From what I've seen, it looks like they utilize their own um, equipment. That's all I can say. What well, well, is also? American. Well, no, they're Japanese fighter jets. I've seen them. I ain't never seen Japanese. Japanese. Oh, no, they have, no. I don't think they're making any uh, no, fighter jets. Yeah, they do. I've seen them. They I forgot what they're called. From that after World War II, they? Well, yeah, but something's changed, though. Uh, I wonder if Japan has nuclear weapons. Oh, that'd be the question. Uh, I'll save I'll save Catherine the embarrassment of telling me she can't answer that question. <laughs> but I'm curious if Japan has nuclear weapons. Just like we we know Israel does, even though we don't know that they do. Um, they sh- if they don't, they should. Uh, we talked to we should talk to Peter Pry about that. Um, uh, Catherine, just help me out here. What are the, some of the names? That, do you remember the Japanese fighters fighter jets they had? Do you know what they're called or the manufacturer in Japan? Negative. Is it Mitsubishi? Negative, sir. Ooh, I'll look it up. I'm gonna look it up right now. Uh, no, I'll do it later. Because <laughs> you guys live. Uh, but I know I know they have them. So I'll put that. Let me write Japanese fighter jets. For, this will be for Monday's follow up. I know they have their own ships too. They got a navy, and they still use that bright red red you know symbol. Japanese fighters. There we go. Because it's pretty good too. Uh, I'll get. I'll post some videos of Japanese fighters in action. Uh, next one here. Davidson Cloud uh, 472 revised requires the president in coordination with the secretary of defense and secretary of state, three total idiots as far as I'm concerned, uh, that's not in the amendment, by the way, to develop and submit a report to Congress that contains a strategy for U.S. involvement in Ukraine. Now, the mere fact that we have to pay for a plan to submit that uh, a strategy means that we don't have a strategy for Ukraine. Panel. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a very insightful realization. That's all I can comment on that. Yeah, Lockheed yeah, Martin helps Japan with his planes. Oh, there we go. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, Pianki and I are both pilots, so we have to um, – we've we, we got to talk flying once in a while. Did you, did you ever get any flight training when you were in the military? Me? Yeah. No. Too bad. We got to get you flying. Uh, once I get my jet, once I get my um, my Viper Jet Mark II, uh, the the tandem seat Learjet powered, fully aerobatic, 500 mile an hour personal jet. We gonna have some fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got plans. But we need we got to break through the censorship, and we all have to uh, make a, a whole bunch of money at this operation. But we'll get there. All right. One two one nine strike section one two two four of the bill, which extends land lease authority to Ukraine. Now, Lend-Lease, for those who don't know, is how Britain survived World War II. So we, we, lent, we lent them stuff, and it was lease. They were paying for it on a lease. Uh, I think at the end of the lease, it was theirs, but I don't even know if that was really honored or it was just Russia. We had Russia programs uh, 
In fact, the British had lend lease with uh, Russia. Russia got uh, British hurricanes. I know that in World War II because I saw hurricanes with bright red stars on them. Uh, but lend lease was a big program to keep England in the war. Why would we give that to Ukraine? Comments on lend lease? Piaki, you probably know from history. Going once, going twice. Catherine? Say great. Well, lend lease authority to Ukraine um, strikes the section of the bill which gives them lend lease authority. I don't want lend lease authority to Ukraine. That basically, that's a giveaway. It's it's like um, you know, it's like rent to own, except you don't really have to pay for the rent. <laughs> it's, it's like a it's like a, a, a subsidy right up there with the, what was that? <laughs> I gotta write this one down too. The 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 center <laughs> center of excellence in Ukraine. The other thing that's excellent about Ukraine is there is there is there corruption. Center of excellence. That's got to be like a Clinton front. Center of excellence. All right, hang on, Catherine. You want to do one of these while I'm writing? You want to get the next one? Uh, I would have to learn more about Lend-Lease. That's all I can say. Okay, so I got to find out what the center of excellence is. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. Some of this stuff is too funny. This is what you don't know that's going on in government. All right, here's another one. 79, prohibits funds authorizing this bill from being used to further any nuclear agreement with Iran that has not received explicit congressional approval. Why are we working so hard to give Iran a nuclear bomb? And why did our government or our Congress let Obama have anything to do with getting a bomb to Iran, knowing full well that they want to blow Israel with it? This is insanity. So they should be prohibiting funds. I can't believe the Democrats would even authorize funds for any nuclear agreement with Iran on any basis whatsoever. I don't think Hmm. I'm at liberty to comment on that. Okay. Too bad. <laughs> this first person I've had on. Here's my guest, Catherine Arnett. By the way, she can't comment on anything. <laughs> it's really nice to have her on the panel. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Bianchi? What do you think about the Iran? On the Lindley? Mm. No. On the fact that uh, there's a specific amendment here that says we can't continue to help Iran with their nuclear bomb program. We'd be helping them with a nuclear bomb anyway. Exactly. But it just, it's interesting that uh, if, it's, if this is an amendment prohibiting funds you know, to go to Iran uh, for nuclear bombs, it must mean there already is funds funding in the bill to help Iran with a nuclear program. That's what amendments do. They take what's already in the bill and change it. Here's another one. Strike section 16. Oh, a comment? I heard, I heard somebody. No, negative. Here's one I don't know anything about. Go ahead, Pianchi. It wasn't me. Okay. Well, here's one I don't know anything about. Amendment 276, strike section 1639, and prohibits use of funds for the sustainment of the, and here we go with the acronyms, B83-1 bomb. (laughs) I don't know what that is. This amendment reflects the 2022 Nuclear Posture Review, which declared the B83-1 will be retired. <laughs> Does it, do you even know how we retire nuclear weapons? What are they, we, put, we put their jersey number on the ceiling or something, or uh, we just kind of is, is like a. <laughs> how do you retire a bomb? Is there like a? It's like a boneyard somewhere. I know where they retire aircraft. They go to the Arizona desert and they sit there baking in the sun, and if they ever need it again. But where, where do you put? All right, Catherine, let me put you on the spot again. Where do you put a retired nuclear bomb? <laughs> just, just idle curiosity. Greg, if I knew, I wouldn't be able to say. I can't comment on that. Okay. All right. Let me speculate. Um, in the same way that there are retired airplanes, 
and they retired military technology somewhere, maybe in a salt mine or a cave or somewhere in the strategic petroleum reserve or any of the vast resources of our defense department, there are nuclear bombs that are retired, that are no longer active. I don't know if they have the nuclear core still, whether it's been taken out, whether they have their triggers, how they remove them, their plutonium triggers. I, I learned a lot of this stuff from Dr. Peter Pry. He told me all this great stuff about nuclear weapons. So <clears throat> a lot of our weapons haven't been tested in 20 years. So we don't even know if they do work when they're supposed to, if, they, you know, if we ever have to launch them. So we have problems with our nuclear uh, uh, defense posture, shall we say. But I'm curious, how do you retire? And another note to myself for Monday. So Monday's show is going to be answering all the questions I'm asking today. How do you retire a nuclear bomb? You're laughing, Catherine. I am. Okay. See, all the, you must be chuckling because all the stuff you know you can't tell me. <clears throat> I hope I'm not burdening, but I am having fun. All right. So I'm guessing um, – let me just check my, my notes here real quick. Yeah, okay. All right. So, yeah. All right. So Candace isn't going to make it, so we got more time. She's got something to take care of. Stuff happens on the show all the time. <clears throat> That's why I always have so much material. I can do the whole thing myself in a monologue, but I don't want to. Representative Tlaib of Michigan strikes the prohib- this is 858, 658, excuse me, strikes the prohibition on the reduction of the total number of nuclear-armed intercontinental ballistic missiles, known affectionately as ICBMs, deployed in the United States in Section 1638, prohibition on the reduction of the intercontinental ballistic missiles of the United States. So is Brandon trying to reduce our nuclear missiles and not tell us? Another nasty question. So this is, so he's, oh, he's striking the prohibition on the reduction. So he's, so this amendment is so that you can, this must be a Democrat, just guessing. So they're saying that you can reduce the number of nuclear armed intercontinental ballistic missiles. That's an interesting amendment. I wonder where that's going to go. Do we? I don't think I'm at liberty to speculate. Uh, yeah, Pianchi, what do you think of our nuclear missile posture? Do we need more missiles or better missiles? What do you think? Do we need hypersonic missiles? Because we don't have them right now. Well, you know, I think that uh, this is a lot of posture, and I, I, I don't think nations want to get involved in nuclear warfare. I think nobody uh, wants to get. In. That's the whole point of it. It's deterrence. No, I think it's I think it's the best way to the what they're doing is spending money and funneling money here and funneling money money there. And of course, that money comes back around to fund campaign coffers too. So, from the attitude that I'm picking up from different groups around the world, I think those days of using dropping nuclear bombs just about over. The idea is just about over. That's encouraging. Uh, I think they're they're too hard to control, too hard to regulate. There's too many terrorists out there. There's too many chances for miscalculations and things to go really wrong. Uh, Catherine, uh, did you ever see the film War Games? This is out, I think, 80s. So this is a little before your time. Um, but uh, yes, Matthew Broderick, in the movie out, twice. Out, yeah, with the Whopper. Remember the computer? The, the, the worldwide operational whatever it was. War Games. Mm-hmm. That was a serious, although the film was hysterical, that was a serious problem. That, uh, that and this is what I think people worry about with AI, with artificial intelligence, that too much of the military is going to become automated and the war games will be fought on a computer. I mean, there are Star Trek episodes of that. People walked into their disintegrating machines so they wouldn't have to engage in a real war. It was all waged by computer. And so there's some serious questions. I mean, I, I can envision 
uh, a day when uh, we don't have, you know, fighter pilots, we have drones. And drones are run by supercomputers. And there are entire squadrons of drones that are armed attacking other squadrons of drones that are armed from other nations. And it's all run by computer. And there's no people involved. I mean, that's not that far away. Yep, that reminds me exactly of the books that I had my hands on in jail talking about the serious implications of uh, automated warfare. That's, that's mm-hmm. all I can say. But, yeah. But does it... Yeah, they're going to start does using it, those... Uh, Mm-hmm. Those uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger type things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Terminator. We've got the hunt the killers. Yeah, I'll be back. The, all these films, you know, science fiction becomes, you know, science. So we, we could say, follow the science fiction. Yes, uh, you know, Dr. Fascist would say, we're going to follow the science. Anyway, sorry, Catherine. <laughs> all the way back so to the Dick Tracy watches. Uh-huh. Yeah. So here's something I just thought of, Bianca. Here's, here's, uh, this is uh, probably before both our time. Dick Tracy was uh, a comic in the 1930s. And, uh, but they used to call cops in those days dicks. So was Dick his first name, as we all thought? Or was it the fact that he was a cop? And, and it would have been Cop Tracy, you know, in a later time. <laughs> Points to ponder. Probably a combination of both. Okay. So was Dick named Dick, or was it that was title? From the Irish, yeah. What's that now? The Irish brought it. A lot of the slang came from Irish. Well, the paddy wagon. You know, people don't realize, mm-hmm. you know, derogatory term. You want to insult the Irish, talk about the paddy wagon. That's for the drunken Irish. That's a derogatory term. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's some other ones, too. Welshing on a bet. Well, that, that's an insult to the Welsh. Uh, if you uh, gyp somebody, that came from gypsies. All these things people don't know. We all know the, 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 the other terms like wetback, which is insulting to uh, folks, you know, coming in the country. Um, you Mexican. somebody or if you do somebody. See, I never heard the expression juice somebody down until recently. That's really insulting. But, but people say gyp. We used to say gyp as kids. I didn't know what it, it meant gypsies. No one ever told me. Well, it's not insulting because it's a way of bartering. Bartery. Mm-hmm. Why don't I just say haggle? Then why not say haggle? Why not just say haggle? That's a well. In some countries, they do say that they call it hassle. You hassle, hassle. Yes, they say that. Okay, I know it's haggle. Hassle, no hassle. hassle. (laughs) We're digressing horribly, but it's fun. Byron Donalds has an amendment. One of uh, names familiar to us here directs each branch. This is number seven thirty eight. Directs each branch of the U.S. Armed Services to submit a statement if they certify that they're interested in potentially utilizing advanced nuclear technology, outlining what they would need in terms of bolstering regulatory certainty relating to deploying advanced nuclear reactors for military operations and logistical support. So so we have nuclear reactors for logistical support. (laughs) I mean, uh, where do you, where does the military use nuclear reactors? I know on the, on the carriers and the subs, they've got nuclear. uh, Did we have nuclear battleships? Or nuclear cruises? I think we do. So where's the military using nuclear reactors? Are they ever used on a base? Of course, Catherine can't tell us. Can you tell us, Catherine? No. Do they like nuclear power plants or anything like that on bases? I can't comment on that. Oh, boy. One day I'll find something you can't comment on. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> All right, but that, that's an... 
<laughs> That's an interesting uh, amendment. Here's another one here. Number 310. Amend Section 904 to prohibit federal funds from being used to establish a position within the Department of Defense for anything similar to chief diversity officers or senior advisors for diversity and inclusion. What a total waste of money. Is there anything more diverse than the military? Catherine, uh, didn't you have ages, sexes, probably even nationalities, skin colors, religions, philosophies, political persuasions? Is there anything more diverse than the military already? I'm not understanding the question, Greg. Um, what, well, in what other do you words, mean about like I, I understand what this like amendment is like proposing, but like what it, what is your question exactly asking? Like, is there diversity? Well, the, the thing is, the military takes everybody you know who's qualified. There's the you know, where in different regions of the country, like you got Southerners in the South, you know, you got a lot of white people in the Midwest, you know, you've got a lot of right. different, uh, you've got a lot of European descendants in New England, you know. So different areas mm-hmm. of the country have have regional you know, qualities. San Francisco was a, a city where you had real, quote, diversity. Uh, it was like one quarter white, one quarter black, one quarter Asian, one quarter Hispanic. Everybody was a minority. But the military has always been known, especially since desegregation by Truman uh, in, I think it was 1950, he did this, or 48, maybe 48. So the military was the first place desegregated. The country wasn't desegregated until 1964 with the Civil Rights Act. And even then, there were things that, uh, you know, still needed work. But the military was one of the first places to desegregate. So hasn't the military always been a place where it's not, you know, what your background is or, or what you look like. It's what you can do. So they had natural diversity. Oh. Then, That's what I was asking. Okay. Make sense? Yes. In, in short, to, to just kind of briefly answer the question, yes, yes. It's, it's, it's like, you know, those who are qualified um, – that's why there's a screening process and everything. But mm-hmm. as far as getting more into the question, I don't think I'm at liberty to comment about uh, anything further like that. I could have pre-screened my shows with you so I can find out what you can comment on. <laughs> we'll start working yeah. on that. Yeah. yeah, sorry. That's okay. It's still good to have you here, though. Um, but it seems to me that this would be not only stupid, but unnecessary and redundant that there already is plenty of diversity in the military. Already, why would you need to enforce it? I think they're talking about the woke uh, diversity and inclusion stuff. Hmm. <laughs> did they maybe actually have the title? You know, <laughs> like like diversity officer. I guess they did have diversity officers. That would be their. Did you have a department of diversity? Gosh, that's so cringe. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just just curious. No, no. Um. Not that I'm aware of. Not that okay. I'm aware of. Okay. Here's um, – what was that, that, um, that program that, uh, that's going around education, um, the, the racist one that says that you know, white people are bad, black people are good? What's that called? Critical race theory. CRT, yeah. Yeah. Here's an amendment from Roy Good and Crane, number 363, prohibits funds authorized for, for DODEA. I guess that's Department of Defense Education. Something? Administration, maybe? Um, Department of Defense Ac- Education Activity, I believe. Okay, good. So you could answer a question. Oh, I feel so much better now. <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing you. Again. you. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Well, it's okay. You know, I'll, I'll take what I can get. 
So anyway, the DODEA from being used to promote the idea that one, any race inherently superior or inferior to any other race, color, or national origin. Two, excuse me, the U.S. is a fundamentally racist country. Or three, the Declaration of Independence or the U.S. Constitution are racist documents. Four, any individual's moral character or worth is determined by the individual's race, color, or national origin. Five, any individual by virtue of the individual's race is inherently racist or oppressive whether consciously or unconsciously. I can't believe they're actually teaching this nonsense, right? This is an individual because of the individual's race bears responsibility for the actions committed by other members of the individual's race, color, or national origin. So in other words, no critical race theory in the Department of Defense. Are they, how much, how much can you tell about uh, any critical race theory that that you were taught, Catherine? Hold on, Pianki. Let me get across a real quick question. I graduated high school in 2016, so I luckily escaped any of that. Have I heard about CRT in the news? Yeah. Do I know that it's running rampant, you know, in schools, period? Yes. Um, Can't really provide much commentary about it otherwise. Um, How about military schools? Military junior highs, military high schools, military elementary schools. Are they teaching CRT? Greg, um, I I don't know. I can tell you that I don't know by the okay, looks of it. By this, well, by this amendment, this proposed amendment, it looks it looks like that it's a possibility. But I'm just going to say right now before I before I get off into any tangent, um, we can talk off air about Dodea, but I don't think it would. Uh, I don't think it'd be a good idea if I talked about Dodea on air right now. That's fine. No. All right. So my speculation is they they are teaching it, and this would prohibit funds from them teaching it any further. Pianchi, you had a comment. Yeah, they should not teach it, and they should not rename military bases unless it's a good purpose, and they shouldn't be removing statues of U.S. soldiers or, yes, U.S. soldiers. Yeah, I don't think that's going on a military basis, to my knowledge. I know they're renaming bases, but I don't think any uh, – well, Catherine, do you know a case of any um, either soldiers or founding fathers or any, any statues? On, do you even have those statues on, mil- on military bases that might be removed? Was that ever an issue? I can't imagine it would be. And not out in Japan, no. Nothing that oh. I saw. No renaming, no statues or anything. Um, so here's a question. Here's an off-topic question, then I'll get back to Pianchi. So we'll talk about the base naming. When you were you know, stationed in Japan, uh, Japan being a country where we, I think, mistakenly, hugely mistakenly, dropped two atomic bombs, um, how close were you to Hiroshima? And, and did you go there? Were you required to go there? Could you go there on your own? Um, and, and how was, how, especially the Japanese folks there, how, was there any repercussions to this day on that at all? So the things that I observed in Hiroshima, um, the, the base of Iwakuni itself is like, you know, what, 30 miles, about maybe an hour's drive north, hmm. uh, south, right? So Iwakuni is south of Hiroshima, just like by an hour. Um, as far as like um, the repercussions, at least right now, there, there's the Peace Park. It's a beautiful Peace Park out there. And... Um, a lot of the Japanese and even like American people who visit, you know, that site um, have reverence um, for what happened in the past. Um, mm. I think that's all I can say. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I took my daughter to uh, Hawaii 
We spent a week on Oahu. We went everywhere, volcanic uh, beaches on the West Coast, uh, the central uh, pineapple plantations. But one of the places that um, I knew I was going to take her was the Arizona Memorial. And what I found fascinating was the amount of Japanese tourists who were there. And we're all talking. And so I'm talking to, you know, and it was, it was fascinating uh, to talk to the folks so that we, we understand that our governments have history uh, and that our peoples, you know, were at war. But uh, it, in, um, when did I take her there, 2006, 2007, whatever it was, you know, we, we recognize, but we're still people and that, the, you know, we had nothing individually against each other. It was really, it was really interesting. Um, to be able to do that and have my daughter at a young age talk to, uh, you know, Japanese folks who were there at the Arizona Memorial, you know, showing their families uh, and talking Pearl Harbor. So that kind of exchange is fascinating. I imagine the same thing happens uh, at Hiroshima, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. at the Peace Park. Huh. Pianki? Direction of that or, or uh, you want to get back to the, the base naming? Because the base naming is pretty crazy. Well, you know, Japanese people are now giving a, being accountable for its leaders. Well, Americans are going to be asked to be accountable for their ratchet leaders today in, in Brandon and, uh, and others. The time will come. Well, that's a huge question. Now, I know Catherine can't answer this one, but um, the fact that we have an illegal administration. In fact, I made a, uh, a Facebook post. Yeah, let me just get the, exactly what I said. Uh, scroll back up a little bit here. And, and uh, oh, I didn't put it in. Basically, I said that how are future generations going to know that the election was stolen if we don't correct the official record now? You know, and this is, this is a because he's not president. And I've even written an article, I'll probably bring it up again at some point, um, for, on Substack, that uh, the president is not really commander in chief um, until a war has been declared. And we can uh, we can argue that at a different time, but uh, but there's a lot that's going on. But how, what do you say to people that um, are taking orders or get deployed to Europe or maybe get involved in Ukraine, you know, only to find out that the the, the so-called president isn't even the president? I mean, it's so important to correct this for so many reasons. I don't think people realize, you know, the, the long-term implications of allowing a fake president to sit in the White House. All the history books are going to be wrong. The entire record's going to be wrong. It's going to be suppressed on a way of, it's like a communist country. You know, all the things that happen that just get erased. That only, they only live as long as the people alive remember that it happened. So all of us who know the election was stolen in 2020, you know, of course, our youngest person, Brianna, you know, she's going to have to carry that uh, if it's taken off the history books. She's still a teenager. Well, not only that, there's going to be liability. Liability of the equipment left in Afghan, the liability of not letting the sniper take out the the a suicide bomber, the liability of the equipment that's been given to the Ukraine that's ended up killing people. Mm-hmm. It's going to have cluster to come bombs. to terms. Yeah, cluster bombs. Yeah, now they're talking about those things. Well, let's that's been outlawed. Well, yeah, like 120 countries have outlawed cluster bombs. And it was, I remember it was big in the news maybe 20, 30 years ago with, uh, I think, the, the, the first Iraq war. Uh, cluster bombs are pretty disgusting. I, I know sort of how they work. Uh, you have a big bomb that carries a whole lot of little bombs, and they spread shrapnel everywhere. It's really bad stuff. And kids find them because they don't all detonate. Uh, there's the, the, like, landmines. They're just kind of left over until someone finds them. Um, Catherine, any experience with those? Anything you can tell us about, uh, about the cluster bombs? Negative, Greg. Huh. Too bad. Okay, well, that's what so I know the about. Thing is, uh-huh. The thing is, is that 
the public, the citizens supposed to control their government, not the other way around. This government is run wild, and I don't know this, and others have too, and has caused calamity around the world. Now, at some point in time, when those people get to the position where they can, they're going to ask for repercussions to be recompensed, to be paid. Just like yeah. Germany. And Germany is having to pay recompense for what happened during World War II. I think they just finished their World War One. I. I think it's uh, it's not reparations is another word. But yeah, they just finished paying uh, off their World War One debt like about 10, 11 years ago. I don't know what their World War II debt is. Maybe, is it reparations? I guess it's reparations. Anyway, um, that's fascinating. I mean, what do you say to people that, uh, you know, what do you say to families that were ordered, you know, into battle or, or to serve, you know, someplace and were killed or injured by someone that had no authority to do that? That's, you want to talk about a ticking time bomb of, of, uh, of legality and emotional and everything else. Um, that's that's going to be huge. And so that, that's another reason that this, we have to get this person out of office, just to uh, have a legitimate president. All right, next one, 1,000. Uh, Crane, Good, Biggs, Gozar, some of my favorites. Well, I don't know Crane, the other three I know. Uh, prohibits the Department of Defense from making participation in training or support for certain race-based concepts, uh, a requirement for hiring, promotion, or retention of individuals. It also ensures that employees and service members cannot be compelled to declare belief in or participate in training that promotes such concepts as a condition of favorable personnel actions. So let me translate this if I can. <clears throat> There's no affirmative action anymore, and people can't be required to say that affirmative action was a good thing. Is that about sum it up? I believe so. That's all I can say. Okay. Okay, you don't have to say that's all I can say anymore. No, uh, <laughs> Whatever you say, we'll know that's all you can say. The DOD was exempt from affirmative action anyway. Huh. Um, interesting. Okay. I got distracted for a minute. I'm sorry. Uh, so if the military is exempt from affirmative action, then why are these affirmative action prohibitions in this bill? Probably some ignorance. You couldn't, you couldn't uh, bid on uh, military appropriations just because of you or color your skin or some group. Actually, huh. it's just for the members of the club, really. Okay. Here's another um, amendment to get rid of DEI. And here's one that's interesting. Uh, amendment 1464 codifies Trump administration guidance uh, to prohibit the display of unapproved flags. Catherine, what are we talking about? Are we talking about gay pride flags? Are we talking about Taiwan flags? Both other flags? Let me look. Gay pride flags. <laughs> yeah. What are unapproved flags? Well, what would you say, Bianchi? Yeah, gay pride. You know what? They shouldn't I, be, they I, shouldn't. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know what counts as an unapproved flag. Yeah, Bianchi. Yeah, BLM flags, gay pride flags. Okay. And uh, it, it really it shouldn't come under the contention of being approved because you don't know who would be in position to approve it. So it should be just American flags. Well, I think a flags is part of is like the uniform. You can't wear an unapproved uniform. You, you, you know, there are certain 
you know, parts of your uniform, you know, on, uh, for different occasions. Uh, flag, same thing. I mean, you've got the U.S. flag. You've got the, the military branch flag. You've got your, um, I don't know, did you have a post flag where you were? Was there a flag unique to where you were stationed, Catherine? Um, there were logos. Um, okay. And, you know, but. Huh. Okay, I, I'm, I I'm not sure. So yeah, this isn't I, the I'm most not important sure issue. too much about this. This unapproved stuff. Now, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not at liberty to comment too much on it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, here's one that's interesting. Um, one three eight six. Bobert Crane, Richine Miller, <laughs> various others here scattered in. Prohibits Department of Defense education activity. Uh, schools. Oh, that's what we talked about before. I've got to look into them. From purchasing and having pornographic and radical gender ideology books in their libraries. One of my friends here in, uh, in Milton, Florida, talked about arresting school librarians for, for dealing in pornography to minors. Uh, that's something I think is going to happen. It's like when Tennessee you know, stopped the drag queen shows by, saying, by listing those as adult entertainment. So you can't have adult, adult entertainment in the schools. Uh, in the same way here, um, of course, I'm wondering, well, you talked about, you know, books in jail, Catherine, what kind of pornographic and radical gender ideology books are in, in our military schools? Thankfully, thankfully, I didn't see anything off the hook um, in jail that would scream pornographic or anything. Um, I pretty much kept to my philosophy and theology and <laughs> sports books. Um, but I'm definitely on board with banning any um, pornographic material. Um, yeah. Well, the, it's the like day. grooming. You know, the, mil- the kids of, of, yes. of military folks, you know, especially if they're overseas deployed, pretty much have to go to the military uh, schools. And if the schools are teaching yep. this nonsense uh, this da- or this yep. dangerous pornographic stuff, then the, it's like the military become groomers. And that's the last thing we want for our military. All right, now let's get to the COVID stuff. Here we go. This is this maybe you can't comment on. Three ninety four prohibits any adverse reaction. Any start again, Greg. Prohibits any adverse actions against cadets or midshipmen based on their COVID nineteen vaccination status. Further states that an individual may not be denied admission at a service academy based on their COVID nineteen vaccination status. So we got two parts here. Let's take the first one. Uh, prohibits any adverse action against. New folks, I guess midshipmen are new, or cadets uh, based on COVID-19 vaccination status. <clears throat> I'm taking, if this was too late for you, um, what's, what's, what can you tell us about this? Um, so I think cadets and midshipmen, I think, refers to future officers in the academies. Um, okay. On the... I could I could talk forever about this stuff, but all I can say is that well, we got half an hour. <laughs> yeah, all I'm saying is it's a great idea, and I love to see it. Okay, so they're finally getting smart. They're not going to. Uh, this is almost like um, almost like a don't ask, don't tell thing. <clears throat> you know, they, this for I remember when the the whole gay in the military issue was a big deal. Um, but this is interesting. So now they're saying, so that we've gone from military that was requiring and, you know, basically kicked Catherine out for her taking a pretty legal stand. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Um, and I've already, I've got the federal law. I've quoted it several times. No one can be forced, military or civilian, um, to take an experimental drug. Um, it has, it's all voluntary. 
you cannot be forced to take it. And so Catherine exercised her free will to not take it. But the military was requiring it, and they kicked a lot of people out. Catherine, do you know how many people were kicked out over this? Thousands, you know, at least 8,000. That, that, that's the latest number I've heard, at least 8,000. but uh, 8,000. Many, many, many. Wow. Is that it's, all services? It's not more. It's, it's not more. Um, I need to I need to brush up on my numbers, but that that's, okay. that's the latest I heard. Um, so, and we're not talking, you know, uh, like like teachers in the military schools or accountants, or uh, we're talking about pilots, tank drivers, you know, artillery, um, naval gunnery. People. We're talking about serious military folks that are being thrown out. Sergeant majors with twenty years experience, kind of thing. And they didn't care, right? They, yes. they kicked out everybody. How am I doing? Yeah. Hmm. Next one, A15 provides for a study regarding the immune response levels of service members to COVID-19 infection and vaccination. Is that testing the COVID jab or natural immunity? I don't know. Oh. What do you think? Or both? Um, maybe both. I'm not sure, but I think would be a great idea would be to stop suppressing demons data and treating people like criminals who bring that stuff up. What, what's that word you said? Demons? What's that? Demeds. Um, oh, demeds. DM, okay. D, yeah, D-M-E-D-S. Um, a, a brief understanding of what, what I uh, understand it to be is um, basically the numbers of uh, infection rates and just, just medical data across the board um, for um, service numbers and you know death numbers, uh, infection numbers, vaccine number, uh, vaccine injury numbers, all that important stuff. Because some people who bring it up in the military are treated like criminals. Well, I mean, they're treated like criminals anywhere. (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm suppressed for for the things that we talk about. I mean, this is is the kind of show that, uh, you know, the big tech loves to to censor because we're talking about this stuff. All we're doing is going over public information. You know, I'm not saying right. anything that isn't in the, in the congressional record. This is from the House of Representatives. This is their rule for debate on the amendments to the Defense Authorization Act. And yet we're going to get censored for it, for simply talking about this kind of stuff. So DMIT, so that, that would have, I guess, the numbers of, of, say, pilots who took the jab that were either injured or killed because of it. Now, do they blame the jab for it or they just say they took the jab and might have had a premature death. I mean, how do they list things like that? Or do you know? Uh, no, I don't know all the specifics of it. But I know that the DMEDS database tells, tells a completely different story as to what we're being told uh, in the media right now. Is that publicly accessed or is it classified information? Good question. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think some of it is public knowledge. I'm sure some of it is HIPAA. So um, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, if you get a chance, you know, there'll be, you know, make a little note. That'd be a great subject for uh, a further report. Uh, next one here. Well, see now, Mike here. Well, this is a question I was going to ask you a minute ago. Um, in all of the 
COVID stuff you had to go through, were you ever given or did you request the option to prove you didn't need the jab because you're naturally immune because you probably had it like everybody did? Everybody was exposed to COVID. Uh, was there ever an offer to prove, immune, to prove natural immunity? Offer? No. Would you have to go and ask on your own to get like an antibody test? Yes. Um, were you, were you allowed to do that? Say. Were you allowed to do that? And again, allowed? I yeah. I mean, I think I think anybody is allowed to request an antibody test or you know prove immunity. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, that's all I can say. So the point is, the reason I'm bringing this up is if you can prove that you're naturally immune. And I know I was naturally immune because I had COVID early January uh, and, and really haven't been sick since except a mild cold after a, a hospital check. Um, if I had immune to absolutely everything, I've been, I've been sick in three years. It's been, it's been kind of wild. But the thing is, once you've had COVID and you're immune to it, wouldn't that exempt you from any uh, COVID shot? I would think. You would if think we're dealing so. in the logical world. So. Yeah. Yeah. But th- that's a rhetorical question because I pretty much knew the answer. Um, I know the answer, too, that uh, all the people that got COVID jabs, you go to your, your uh, Walgreens or your CVS or any of the drugstores out there where they're, they're giving COVID shots like crazy. Um, they don't test your immunity first. They don't, you know, they don't put you down and say, hey, listen, let's, we'll test you for immunity and see if you need the COVID shot. We'll let you know in a week. You know, if you don't need it, then uh, we'll just, uh, pay, you know, just pay for the, for the test. It's probably cheaper, you know, or I guess the shots are free because they're taxpayer-funded extortion. But that was never done. There was no program to test immunity before the COVID shot was given. This is how I know it was nothing but a marketing campaign. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I guess we're all in agreement. Uh, 1006, the men's service reinstatement. Ah, here we go. And protection provisions in the FY 2024 NDAA, that's the National Defense Authorization Act, for service members who refused COVID vaccination to also include members of the Coast Guard. This might affect you. Catherine? All I can say is that I sure hope it goes through. I could I could speculate so much and I could take up the rest of the 30 minutes, Greg, but I hope and <laughs> well, pray that it goes through. That's so the, make a little note yeah. to yourself. Uh, number 1006, uh, Representative Banks of Indiana, Representative Tenney, T-E-N-N-E-Y, of New York, and Representative Green, that's Marjorie Taylor Green of Tennessee. I would start with Marjorie Taylor Green. Personally, Amendment 1006. You might even be able to testify this, on this in front of Congress. That's really where you need to go. That would be great. That would be great. I sure would have a lot to say. <laughs> oh, I know. And uh, just to do, partial disclosure, I have worked on that. I have not been successful, and that's all I can say. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, under, under I'm trying. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll get you there someday. All right. Number 420, prohibits any sort of mask mandate regarding the spread of COVID-19 on any military installation in the United States. That's 1420, Norman, uh, Miller, and Crane. Did you have any mask mandates while you were serving? Yes. How long? A year, two years? About a year. And did they accomplish anything? Absolutely not. Did anybody on your base actually have COVID at any time? Excuse me. Well, you probably do right now then. <laughs> Sorry, Catherine's what got COVID. She'll be right back. <laughs> I said, you probably have COVID right now. No, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, my bad. I just had times. a little sneezing break. My, my yeah, that's, need that's, to go get that's tested. That's a COVID sneeze. 
I can tell that's a COVID sneeze. I know yeah. things now. I've been in radio, right? Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> but was it a problem ever? Did anybody have before the mask um, Did anybody have COVID? Did, well, I mean, we all had COVID. I mean, everybody had COVID because everybody got it and got immune right. to it. This, this is the big myth. This is why this is so funny that they're trying to, you know, vaccinate something for that people got over naturally at an, at a rate of over ninety nine point nine percent of the people who got it, including me, were fine. I didn't even have any medicine. I just rested for two days. You know, coughed for a couple of weeks, rested for two days, took three more days, taking it easy, and I was done. That was before I even knew what it was. This is early January 2020. And from that, I've been immune not only to – here's the weird part. Not only have I been immune to COVID ever since, I've been immune to everything. I haven't got a cold or a flu, but I haven't got anything. I haven't even got upset stomach yet. You know, which, which, you know, normally I'll get like a bad cold once, maybe twice a year. I've had nothing. That COVID infection. So that so here's the weird study that nobody's done yet is has COVID um, ironically because it's a man-made bioweapon flu bug SARS-CoV derivative coronavirus actually made our immune system stronger. That's hypothetical. Pianki's left us. He's not here, so it's just you and me. What do you think? Okay. All right. Uh, hypothetical speculation. Um, you're guessing as good as mine on that one, but, uh, I'm just yeah. guessing. I'm just putting the question out there. If you know, anybody wants to call and let us know. Uh, Marco in the Netherlands, uh, posts something that I should have gotten to earlier. He says, eco-activists in Germany use a concrete and ep- ep- epoxy resin mixture to glue their hands to the asphalt in protest. Tragically, the consequences oh, may require gosh. potential amputation of their hands. Talk about stupid. Um, Wow. Marco, I'm sorry we, I missed this earlier because I was reading from a document. What was, what was this in relation to? Which, which protests are we talking about? And then it says, would they accept a fake hand if you tell them it's made from oil? Oh, please. <laughs> so what, what, what were the eco-activists protesting? I wonder. He'll get back to you in a minute. I'll I have. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, we're actually going to finish this today, which is good. So we're, we don't have too many more of these. But... Um, Again, nobody else is covering this in the detail we are, which is why I do what I do, why I can only have my own radio show. I can never work. So anybody wonders why I'm not with, you know, uh, some of those big networks, you know, Salem, you know, I'm not out there with Dennis Prager or uh, uh, what are the other ones? Um, iHeart, you know, the big ones, right? Why I'm not working with those folks? Because they wouldn't let me do what I do here. Not at all. And so that's why I'm happily doing what I do here. Um, differently. It looks like I had another call that just came in. Not familiar with that number, so let me do a quick check here. This is why I need a producer, Catherine, so that uh, we, our producer would immediately leap upon this call, talk to them, find out who they are, mm-hmm. what they want to talk about, and check my master phone list where I record everybody that ever calls. Let's see if I can find out who they are. Anyway, do you have a comment? Because I'll be, be busy here for about 30 seconds looking stuff up. Negative. I wish I had a comment to keep the conversation going. Um, okay. Well, that's all right. We've got, um, I'll tell you what I can do here, because it is a new number. And what, what I do in this situation is I play something for like a minute. Yeah. And I haven't played any commercials yet anyway. So this, I say, let's take a break. Yeah, let it rip. Look for a couple of minutes here. I'll play a couple of things, and then we'll be right back. And I'll check on this call and see what's going on. So I'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. 
it really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Okay, we're going to have to suspend our, our, our brilliant recitation of all the amendments because I got, Catherine, I got a friend of yours. Uh, this would be Corporal Mason. Mason, you're live now. Hey, Arnett, how you been? Oh, hey, Mason, good. How are you, man? Oh, I've been living the dream. I heard, you know, I've been trying to keep up with the story. I've done a whole lot of research now, so. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. calling into the show, too, and supporting Greg's uh, show here. See, now you have to share oh, with everybody, Mason. Have you, Mason, have you yeah, had the show so before? Greg, have, by, have you, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Catherine. By the way, I, I shared your link um, to, to this show with two of my friends, um, oh, Mason good. being one of them. But yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was hoping he wasn't lying to me, but uh, I had a feeling he sounded pretty sincere. <laughs> so that's a, that's a good thing. That's why I you know, screen these things. Uh, Mason, have you heard some of the, the amendments we've gone over or um, any, any comments you have on that so far? And then I can just let you guys chat a little bit if you want to catch up on stuff. But remember, this is podcast forever. So just give you the disclaimer. Don't say something you don't want recorded forever. <laughs> just to let you know. Yeah. So I actually, I, I just joined in. Um, I think the last thing I was, uh, I actually just heard y'all say, was talk, y'all were talking about the, uh, the oil paintings or um, the people that got their, uh, their hands and cement and everything. And they had to get yeah, that wasn't paid. one of our big topics either. <laughs> what we've been going over is the, uh, the amendments to the, the um, Authorization Act, things like getting rid of DEI, getting rid of affirmative action, uh, reinstating people with, with COVID shot. Uh, issues. That's the one we just talked about with Catherine uh, and some of the other things the military is doing, uh, stopping the funding of the Wuhan lab with Defense Department dollars. There's just a whole series of amendments we've been going over almost for two hours now. It's been quite, quite amazing. So you can catch on the podcast. Uh, and then, of course, oh, yeah. you're always welcome to join the show. If you're a friend of Catherine's, you're, you know, you're a friend of the show. So that's, uh, that's a given. Um, but um, do you, any particular issues that you two might want to raise in the, in the time we've got here? Or do you, Mason, do you have some catching up to do with Catherine? On, on what's uh, oh. on her story at all? It, um, it's been, uh, well, I mean, I, I still call her by Arnett, so I'm, and she's probably going to call me by Matt, I don't mind. But, um, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, just stick on the line. No, it's okay. That's fine. Um, I, you know, I can't put you on the spot. I took your call right away because we didn't have a lot of time left. Um, let me see if I can get back to where was our, that big amendment was 1006. I think I kind of scrolled yeah, past it. Here, on, so yeah, we just hit 1420. Mason, by the way, I sent you a link to what we're on. Uh, we're on page 9 now of 14, if you want to open that link. But, um, yeah, we're on number 40, Greg. We're on number 40 now, 454. Okay, so I, I have totally lost my place here. I, uh, so I'm going to start. So, so how many pages total? Because I, I got the back page. The last one. 14 so the... pages total, and we're at the very bottom of page 8. Okay, so that would be 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8. I do have more to go. 454 requires a study and report on health conditions arising in members of the armed forces after the administration of the COVID-19 vaccine. So this is critical. 
Uh, and for Mason, just uh, I'll usually I'll just start with Catherine, and you, Mason, you can comment further on it. But uh, why would we have to? Why isn't there a study on all aspects of, of the COVID program, of the mandates, um, of the fact that I was watching a special with uh, Neil McCabe and David Trombley, where the the Marine uh, Commandant said that it was having adverse effects of from the COVID jab, and still said, you know, I need my Marines to take this. Would, would be that stupid and, and that reckless with other people's health. And why, you know, why isn't the yeah. study automatic? Catherine? Yeah, I heard about that. Um, I think the study, the studies are done, obviously, in clandestine uh, fashion, but I think the big word is report. There needs to be a, there needs to be a report on this, and, and it absolutely needs to be codified into the, um, NDAA amendments. That would that would be excellent. So we can so we can see that you know we were right all along that it does mm-hmm. not contribute to force readiness. Well, just the opposite. You're taking and we've talked about this before on the show with, with all our doctors. I'm getting a little feedback from one of you, maybe Mason. So if you're listening online or on your phone, you want to make sure that it's phone only or online only, so that we don't get feedback through the phone because everything everything gets recorded. Uh, or you can just mute yourself when you're not talking. That's okay. You'll get the hang of this. Yeah. We'll make an expert here, um, you know, while we do this. this uh, so here's what I think is going on, Catherine. And, uh, Mason, you can tell me what you think, too. Um, they're doing the studies. They're just keeping a secret. You know, they're looking at all this, looking at the data. It's going to that thing you mentioned earlier, the DMEDs. You know, so they know mm-hmm. what the problem is. But they have to go by the yeah. policy. They have to go by Brandon's policy, which is really Obama's policy. And they have to say – that uh, it's great, it's for force readiness, we need this, we need to keep our troops healthy. Well, the troops are we're already healthy, okay? And COVID's not that big a deal, especially for young people. You know, I was in the, a high-risk group, and I got over it in a couple of days. I'm over 60, you know, and uh, it was no big deal. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty healthy for 60. I'm 63, actually, uh, and a pretty healthy mm-hmm. guy. I still do big bike rides and hit the gym and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, unless you're like 90 and, you know, on death's door, this wasn't that big a deal. So why would you take the healthiest people in the country and force something on them without even seeing if they're immune to it already anyway and then not release studies uh, of the effects of this thing that was forced on all of you? Catherine, I'll get you then, then Mason. <laughs> well, is yeah, that a rhetorical I can question? say is that yeah. it's an absolutely rhetorical question. It has something to do with the exact opposite of force readiness, and that's, that's all yeah. I can say. <laughs> okay. Mason, what Na- was your national job? National security. Definitely you, national Everything's security national security, is. right? Yeah, I can't say it. It's an yeah. ongoing investigation. Yeah. It's national security. What are, what are the three big lie cover-ups? Uh, or it's Hunter Biden's cocaine, but that's another story, too. Mason, are, are you still active duty, or are you retired from the Marines, or what, and what would you do there, just out of curiosity? Uh, so, on, so I am retired now. Um, I got out back in... June of 2021. Mason, oh, you. you're a veteran. You're a veteran. You're not retired. You didn't do 20 years, silly. Okay, fine. Sorry about my language. <laughs> I don't need you guys to correct me. On this. I mean, there's, there's English and there's military English. It's like a separate language. And, of course, Catherine's already hit me with a few acronyms I've never heard. Yeah, that's okay. All right. So, <laughs> so, so what was your job, Mason? And what, what, was, what was your rank? Or your corporal uh, too, right? So I was a – oh, sorry. That's all right. You're what? So I was a uh, aviation supply specialist. Um, our main focus when I was in the Marine Corps was for the F-35. Um, we we dealt with the F-18s too, but my 
Myshoff, which is uh, considered JSD, which the mean? name changed all the time. So I couldn't even give you what the actual acronyms uh, stood for at this point. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure we uh, our acronyms changed at least four to five t- different times. But our, our main focus was for the F-35. Okay. Well, let me ask you some questions you can't answer. <laughs> Captain knows what's coming. <laughs> um, the F-35 is a total turkey as far as I'm concerned. It's not maneuverable. It can't dogfight. It can't do anything right. Uh, it costs a ridiculous amount of money. The more you try to do with one airplane, the less it can actually do. You know, give me one uh, A-10 for ground support and one F-16 for dogfighting for every F-35. Actually, you can probably buy four. You can probably buy two F-16s and two A-10s for the cost of one F-35. Uh, and you have a much superior force. So let me do the disclaimer. What you can tell me was this thing down for maintenance like all the time? <laughs> you know, how many is like 20 hours of maintenance for one hour of flight time? What, what can you tell me about maintaining the F-35, if anything? Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Welcome I, to Action Radio, Mason. First... Aren't you glad you called? <laughs> Catherine's oh, laughing too, by the way. <laughs> Go ahead. No, Go ahead. I'm curious. We got some time. From my last duty station, the F-35s were probably one of the worst things to work on. Okay. Like, we had 24-hour shifts. Even then, what? like, we maybe got – oh, yeah, we, we were working 24-hour shifts, like, all the time. We had, like, three different crews. We had day crew, night crew, and, like, a interchangeable between days and night. Hmm. So uh, you're working hours, exhausted. You're working exhausted on a very complex airplane. Great. This is good to know. What else can you tell me? Yeah. Um, All right. So, shoot, when was this? It was like back in, it was early in my Marine Corps career, like 2018, 2019-ish. We actually had one F-35 malfunction and crash into the, uh, into the, like, the local lake in the area, too. The pilot ejected okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, he was perfectly fine. Like, he good. full recovery, just he scraped some bruises, like, all, all good there. Well, yeah, ejection's but, um, not easy, folks. The faster the airplane's going, the harder it is to eject. You eject into a 600-mile-an-hour headwind, it's going to hurt, okay? But, you oh, okay. you know, that. But at least you're out of the airplane that's about to explode. That's the whole point of ejection. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, yeah. But um, we found out the, the, the whole main issue, and it actually was, like, just this one little tiny hose. What? That caused the entire plane to malfunction. One hose? Just one, like one little tiny hose. Was it an air vent or hydraulic fluid or, or what was it? Um, to be honest with you, I can't think off the top. I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. And I don't want to give out information there. So. Yeah, you sound, like, you sound like Catherine now. That's okay. <laughs> you you got to save your own behind, you know? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Listen, uh, you know, uh, what you will rapidly find out if you haven't concluded this already, that the answers to my questions are containing the question. Most of them are rhetorical. You know, I feel like a lawyer up here. Uh, and so Catherine's <laughs> laughing because she knows. She knows from, she's been on with me many hours on the air that, uh, that the question actually answers itself. And I don't know if I do that on purpose or just kind of, or just kind of it just, it's just the way I ask questions. But uh, um, here's something interesting, too. Now, let me see if I can confirm this with you. We're a little, little bit off track, but I got you now. So um, Dr. Peter Pry, uh, foremost expert on nuclear weapons, on EMP, 
the guy was a genius, and he was on our show for about four years every Monday. And I got the entire history of nuclear weapons. I've got this all in. In fact, Catherine, if you're interested, or, or Mason, I can, uh, can send you all the links to his uh, um, his incredible history of, of nuclear weapons during um, the COVID time because there were no speaking engagements for us. So he stayed with us for like an hour and a half, two hours, you know, on a Monday. And we just talked about stuff. And we went from the Manhattan Project on. Anyway, one of the things he said was that stealth is a myth that these planes are not stealthy. Uh, there's already enough anti-stealth stuff to make uh, any stealth properties the F-35 has obsolete. He also said that uh, British World War II-style radar, long-wave, low-frequency radar, can detect stealth airplanes. And that the Russians perfected you know, this low-frequency radar. They boosted it. They made it better. And they had these mobile... Um, vehicle things with low frequency anti stealth radar. I'm sure they have it all over Ukraine right now, you know, but they've got the technology to detect stealth airplanes. Again, here's the question you can't answer. Um, did, did the pilots know this? <laughs> Are they briefed on this? That uh, low frequency long wave radar makes stealth aircraft quite visible. Is that ever talked about? Or are you surprised well, what I know? Really <laughs> um, so sadly, and unfortunately, um, we actually did not have, like, we did not care about if our jets were stealthy or not, for our, at least for my specific squadron, only because it was a, quote-unquote, training squadron for a student pilot. And so those jets actually were not ever even in combat. So they used the F-35, the most expensive fighter plane that has ever existed for training students? A $2 billion jet to turn some students. Okay. <laughs> Again, the question answers itself. <laughs> Catherine, do you, do you, can you add anything to this? This is fascinating. Do you have more friends? Uh, I like friends no, Catherine. I can't. Oh, bring on more friends. Yeah, Mason's awesome. Mason is awesome. <laughs> I, I, can't, uh, I can't comment too. Right now. I can't comment on it. Okay. I can. I'm more like medium app. What's that? Oh, I'm, What'd you I'm say? sorry. I was just and she said I was awesome. I was like, "Oh, I want to go that far now." No, you're pretty awesome. I'm, 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 I'm. I agree with Catherine. All right, let's get to a couple more of these things. We're almost done, and so well, maybe yeah, we might run a few minutes over time. This is fascinating. Uh, allows DOD. This is, I think, this is the next one here. Two thirty nine allows DOD to transfer excess controlled property to federal and state agencies under the ten thirty three program, consistent with the original intent of the program. Uh, what excess controlled properties are we talking about? Any ideas? Negative. Okay. We did a whole show just to uh, – oh, Mason, did you have a comment on that? I'm sorry. I should have asked you. Oh, no. You're perfectly fine. No problem. Okay. All right. Uh, we did a show with Roger Roots. Roger Roots is the lawyer who defended the Bundys when the Bureau of Land Management wanted to steal all their farmland and refused to let them graze on land that they've been grazing on for 150 years. And Roger and I talked for two hours about how the Western land that the federal government controls, military bases, forest land, all the land, you know, Department of Interior land, that's all illegal. Constitution says they can only own land under military bases and useful buildings in dockyards, arsenals, and things like that, and the District of Columbia. It's the only place federal government can own land, um, unless the state legislature has approved of a sale. And I don't think this land was approved for sale. I think it was taken. So what we really needed is an amendment in here, that meant to, at least for the defense land, to be given back to the states. 
or the, see, now if I were a state governor, I would just take it. I would take the federal land and kick out the feds and say it's not your land anymore. It never was, but that's just me. All right, let me get another one here. Requires the Secretary of Defense to notify local, state, federal agencies uh, not later than 90 days before the Department of Defense uses, creates, or repurposes a military base to house migrants. Oh, oh, you know I want to ask about this one. But why would we allow migrants, which aren't migrants, they're illegal. That's my 90-second warning. Why would we allow migrants on our military bases anyway? These are secure installations. These have classified stuff. What would you want a bunch of foreign nationals doing on our military bases? Why would that even be allowed? Panel? That's, that's curious that that even has to be brought up. Um, I'd have to look more into that. But that, uh, wow, again, national security at risk. Um, that's all I can say. Yeah. Mason, do you know of any uh, illegal alien <clears throat> migrants um, housed on, on military bases? So... I haven't seen it firsthand, but I have definitely heard some rumors where they were letting migrants, if you will, stay in the military facility. Yeah, I use that term euphemistically. Uh, I would Is definitely it? have to check with my sources myself just because. Huh. But okay. I definitely. Do you know it would be great if you two got together and did a military report? Half an hour, an hour a week, whatever you want to do. Um Mason, you got any um, journalism radio experience? Or you want to get some? Oh. Uh, well, I always did want to be a radio talk show host. Well, how about that? Okay, so you guys, <laughs> so, so you two talk. Let's, see if, let's get you a joint report. Um, pick an issue, pick whatever you want, work on it, talk about it. We'll, we'll be in touch. This is going to be fun. All right, <clears throat> I've got a couple more. <laughs> We're going to run a little. If you have some extra time, we can run over time. Well, what do you think about that, initial impressions? Or you reserve judgment until you've talked? I think it'd be great. Yeah, give me you... one second. Okay. Well, I got time. I got another minute. Catherine, what do you think? And you, like, about, you think about the it? joint report or yeah, about the migrant thing? Well, let's do the joint report. <laughs> joint report, first of all. And again, you can take time to think about it, but I think it'd be kind of cool. No, I think, I think it would be cool, too. I'll definitely talk about it with Mason. Okay, sounds good. Migrants on a military basis. What kind of irrational insanity is this? Again, migrants, yeah, go ahead. I can't imagine. Obviously, it exists somewhere that we haven't heard about or that I haven't heard about yet. That, that's so problematic. That, that, that's just so problematic. Well, it's also tax dollars. It's foreign aid. You know, it's unauthorized foreign aid. Uh, any of these folks here. And what if they're going to, uh, does that mean they're going to go to, to military schools, their kids? You know, folks that are born mm. on these bases, are they going to get, you know, illegal American citizenship? Because, you know, just being, and we'll talk about this another day, but just being born on U.S. dirt does not make you a U.S. citizen. You have to have a U.S. citizen parent. That's how, that's how citizenship is mm. transferred. Uh, that's 14th Amendment stuff. But anyway, but the whole idea of, of uh, illegal aliens, you know, brought into our country on military bases, I mean, how many of them are Chinese? How many of them are terrorists? How many of them are, uh, you know, Middle Eastern, ISIS, um, who knows what? How many are Taliban? Yep. Yeah, reports on that would be a good idea, too. Which brings up... Go ahead, Mason. um, I think a perfect example of what we're seeing right now, you can look at France in general, and like there's been a lot of migrant problems over there. 
and I'm talking like literally buildings are being burned to the ground and everything like mm-hmm. that. So if right. if, if you take a look at France and just look at like how that could affect the U.S. too, we could be very very much in trouble about that. Especially I think we already are. Them on, which that in itself is stupid. I don't I don't think that should be a thing at all. Yeah. But the fact, like you were saying earlier, like we have so much classified gear, we have all we have actual personnel and everything too, and you're basically putting their lives in danger. Okay, a little bit of uh, background noise on your line. Uh, if you want to be a radio talk show host, the first thing I would invest in is a Yeti blue microphone and a headset, and that way I can send you a direct connect. So when you call in, you can use your microphone. Same thing with you, Catherine. Um, if you um, I can send you both uh, the information. Uh, or just look up Yeti Blue Microphone. They're about 100 bucks, And that way you can talk directly in the microphone like I'm doing. This is how I do the show. And they work pretty well. But that'll make for a really clear signal, uh, especially another get you that, that full radio experience. All right. Number 373 requires the Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, and United States Agency for International Development, haven't talked about them yet, to submit to Congress a report on agreements made by the United States with the, are you ready for this, folks? The Taliban. Wow. Why are we making agreements with the Taliban? Panel? Sounds like some uh, leftover chunks of uh, a former president's policy. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we call it the, yeah. uh, the Brandon surrender around here. That was not a withdrawal. <laughs> that was not a disorganized withdrawal. That was a surrender. I actually called it before Trump did. So we beat him by about two months. But uh, I've been calling it the Brandon surrender uh, for a long time. And I, I'm absolutely convinced this is Obama, you know, helping his Muslim brothers, you know, uh, the same reason he's giving a nuclear bomb to Iran uh, so that uh, – you know, because that's that's who he is. I mean, his father was Muslim. He's Muslim. I don't care any, anybody protesting to the contrary. I got nothing against being Muslim. I got something against, you know, taking the United States and helping other countries destroy us and our allies. That's what I'm against. And so the idea that um, that they mistakenly left, you know, $85 billion worth of our finest military equipment uh, and to think that was some kind of an accident is ludicrous. That was a strategy. That was the strategy to arm the Taliban, arm the Middle East, and arm terrorists against us. Obviously, same thing with giving away the Bagram Airport to China. I'm sure China made that a precondition with Brandon long before we even uh, left Afghanistan. Betcha, betcha. Can't prove it, but, I'll, uh, but why else would we give our finest airport? You guys, did any of you either serve in Afghanistan at all? Mason, were you over there? Okay, uh, Catherine, yeah, yeah you're mostly Japan. Mason? Uh, so I actually will apologize. I will need to take my leave. Okay. Um, we'll get you back. Time, okay. Final comment? It was great talking. See ya, bud. It was good hearing from you, and thanks for calling again. I'll get you in touch with Greg, all right? Oh, yeah. I would appreciate that. You know, yeah. miss you. Love you. Wish you the best in life. You know, all that good jazz. We definitely need to plan to hang out soon or something. Okay, yeah. Anytime I'm in Louisiana, I'll let you know. <laughs> Greg, pleasure talking to you, man. Uh, well, it's nice to have you, too. This is why you guys should should talk on the show and do a report. You know, that way you can talk every week. It'd be great. Oh, definitely. Um, okay. I usually am off Fridays through Sundays anyways, so we could try to definitely work something out. I actually do have an hour on Friday that's open. 
So uh, this might work out. We'll talk off the air. Thank you, Mason. It's great. To All right. Really thank you, Dave. Yeah. See how we do things at Action Radio? It sounds spontaneous. You know, you come here, you, 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 you're you a good caller, you got information, you know, and uh guy wants to be a radio talk show host. What better place to gain experience than right here? This is a land of opportunity, Catherine. Absolutely. Yeah. Got a few more. You got a few more. We're almost done with these. Yeah. I, I really, uh, first of all, thank you so much. I really appreciate putting all of these on one podcast. That way people don't have to search around to find them. Uh, we got the Taliban, 350, amend section 1021B of a whole bunch of stuff to limit the authority of the U.S. military to indefinitely detain individuals pursuant to the 2001 authorized use of military force to exclude American citizens from being subject to detention. What is that all about? U.S. military to indefinitely detain individuals? Is that, uh, is that Guantanamo Bay? Is that Gitmo? I was about to bring up Guantanamo Bay, that it probably has something to do with that. Uh, okay. Other speculation outside of that, not really sure, but uh, yeah. Okay. Gates is in on that one, too. Maybe I'll ask him. <laughs> he hasn't talked to me for a while. Uh, 499 requires the Secretary of Defense to submit to Congress a report on allied contributions to defense spending. That would be Trump's NATO thing when they weren't paying their fair share. Mm. That's, that's a good idea. Mm. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, we don't have to come in every one of these, but some of these are actually good. So, well, they're all good, but it's just a lot of them are, are contradicting previous policy, and that's why we go into detail. 724 directs the Secretary of the Air Force not to not terminate fighter flying mission of fighter squadron of the Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve until 180 days after the Air Force submits a modernization plan. I'm not sure. This is just sounds technical. Oh, options for modernization of fighter squadrons of the Air National Guard. And Air Force Reserve. Okay, this is big. And the replacement of the aircraft with more capable aircraft. So our National Guards usually get surplus military, uh, surplus active duty equipment, right? That's pretty much their stock and trade? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure about this one. Okay. Well, I imagine I didn't remember the uh, – well, I know like when the Phantoms, the F-4 Phantoms were retired from the Air Force and the Navy, a lot of them went to the National Guards. Still good airplanes. You know, the, the F.A. Crusader, same thing. So this sounds like uh, more of an administrative thing. But uh, this is not to terminate fighter flying mission fighter squadrons until uh, a moderate. Okay, so I guess, yeah, they don't want to just. So in other words, I guess they're stopping the, the, just the outright disarmament and the scrapping of these airplanes. You know, going to the same place they were retiring the nuclear bombs to. Teasing. Um, without a plan. <laughs> <laughs> without a plan, right? In other words, why would you take a perfectly good squadron or a perfectly good airplane, even though it's, you know, it's retired from active service, but conserve the National Guard for another 10 years without a modernization plan? That only makes sense. All right, I'm going to skip that one. Yeah. Next one's on the naming commission. We can go about Did you have a comment? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't, no. All right, 1558, Green, Gates, Massey, Hageman, good people. No cluster munitions or cluster munitions technology shall be sold or transferred to Ukraine. Pretty self-explanatory. I agree. Yeah, I think Hageman was on 49. It was just a three for 48. Oh, well, thank you for correcting me. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I read and scan very quickly. Reading is not my specialty. Neither, uh, I mean, I write oh, better than I read. 
numbers I'm really lost on, so I probably get those really screwed up. Hageman is on the next one. Yeah, thank you, Catherine. Requires that all documents and correspondence of the Countering Extremism Working Group. Oh, is that Millie's, you know, white rage? <laughs> is that what this is? You know, provided... it, it, Go ahead. Could, it could be. It could also be the FBI surveilling traditional Catholics, such as myself, at their parishes and stuff. So that, that, one, that one is of interest to me. Could be. Could be that one. Well, let's read it more carefully. It requires that all documents and correspondence of the Countering Extremism Working Group are provided to, of course, Marxists are extremists, but we don't count them because they're approved by the, the government. Uh, the Select yeah. Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, that's meeting next Thursday with um, Robert Francis Kennedy. I'm trying to get our bills to him. Um, I'm, he may have them already. Uh, I'd, I'd love it if he could announce our bills in that hearing. That would be outstanding. Our vaccine product liability and our big tech bill. Because we could solve both those problems. That would be a fascinating thing to have happen. That would make history for, for this country, him and us. But this weaponization of the federal government. So do you know anything about this countering extremism working group? Negative. Other, other than the FBI surveillance of uh, So Catholics. Catholics. Yeah, I you mentioned that. Uh, who's, who's surveying Catholics? Is it the military, the FBI, or both? Um, FBI. I can I can send you the link to the article that I read from LifeSite, but uh, yeah, there's, there's been some uh, surveillance for for sure. So how did Catholics attract the attention of the uh, the FBI KGB? What'd you all do? Or what you do go to believe? church and worship Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people do that. I mean, the Baptists do that. The 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 the, the Mormons, the Methodists, the Congregationalists, the Presbyterians—they all worship God. And believe in Jesus. Well, without Why Catholic? Too much of a the, without getting into too much of a theological tangent and potentially upsetting some people, um, I think that these bureaus, you know, the FBI, everyone, right, all, all the enemies out there, they're going to target the the main source of truth. They're going to they're going to suppress the the beacon and the home of truth. Um, which I believe to be the, the Catholic Church, especially the traditional uh, pre-Vatican II faith. Again, that, that I could talk for hours and hours with anyone. No, let's do a show on it. Let's, let's, let's do that uh, another time. But it'd be fascinating because yeah. I, I I've had Catholic friends. I'm not Catholic myself. I've uh, been to a couple of masses. Um, I'm not big on church because I go to sleep a lot. You know, I, I don't <laughs> do well. For the same reason I didn't do well in school. I mean, I, I, I used to stay awake by, uh, you know, cracking jokes and making fun of the professors, you know, to their face in ways that they didn't think they didn't get my joke. But the students did. That was like my art form. Uh, but that's how I got through college, you know, making fun of people and not letting them know that they were being made fun of except by other people. You should try it sometime. It's really fun. <laughs> uh, but we'll talk about Catholics uh, another time because I know Steve Bannon's big on this. Yeah. <laughs> one, 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 three, eight. Yeah. Uh, comment. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying, yeah, we, we, we could talk for hours about it, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk off yeah. here. Sounds good. Uh, and this is 1138. Requires that all documents and... Oh, I already read that one. Strike, not 494, strike section 217, which authorizes funds to NATO for the joint fund established for the Defense Innovation Accelerator for the North Atlantic Initiative. It's called DIANA. Remember Paul Anka's song? Oh, please, DIANA. Anyway, so DIANA, codename for... <coughs> The uh, Defense Innovation Accelerator for North Atlantic Initiative. What the hell? Is this a particle beam accelerator? Is this a nuclear technological thing? Do you know what this is? 
I have not heard of that, Greg. I'd have to look into it. Okay. 494, Section 217. So they don't want it. So this, the amendment would be to get rid of this uh, particle beam accelerator nuclear weapon thing. <laughs> Here's another one. 189 expresses the sense of the Congress that the U.S. should not continue subsidizing NATO member countries who choose not to invest in their own defense by meeting the 2014 Wales Summit defense spending benchmark. No, I, I would have said, I would have stopped at the word NATO. Expresses the sense of Congress that the U.S. should not continue subsidizing NATO. That's where I would stop it. But at least this is a start. What is this magic about NATO? Uh, you know, talk about a sacred cow. Uh, I don't think I'm at liberty to discuss that, unfortunately. Okay, too bad. Uh, next one's on DEI. We've covered that. Uh, oh, here's one. This is one. That, this is you might come in. This is Norman and Crane. One three eight three requires that any DOD component that fails to pass an independent audit have one point five percent of its budget returned to the the Treasury for deficit reduction. <laughs> Exempts personal accounts and defense health program. Um, how much of the DOD is actually audited? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I would have to get back to you on that. Okay. But make, make notes. Number, 13, <laughs> number 1380. Number 1383 seems like a great idea. Yeah. Well, you might have just listened to this whole podcast, and every time you know we have a, an idea that you're going to get back to me, just you're going to have a long list of I'm going to have to get back to me. <laughs> We need an acronym for that. IGBTM. IGBTMs. I'll get back to you. No, I have to get back to me. All right, anyway. 365. This is one where you should be involved. Requires the Department of Defense to perform an audit. If it fails to, the discretionary budget authority available for the Department of Defense, the military department, or the defense agency shall be reduced by 0.5%. That's half of 1%. Why didn't they just say 5%? These people are, are gutless. They're geldings. This 0.5%, that's not a punishment. And that's Biggs, Clyde, Crane, Burgess, and Miller. That's nothing. But it's like an audit without an audit. The penalty is so low, they'll, 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 they can, they'll waste more money than the punishment. Catherine? Yeah, yeah, no, accountability is definitely low. That's all I can say on that one. Okay. Uh, hopefully we'll be done, almost done here. I mean, like I say, if we have to go at any time, we're exempted from the Endangered Species Act. We can talk about that later. Prohibits funding. Okay. Just, oh, here we go. There's another one for the Taliban. Prohibits that. Get rid of DEI. So now we're repeating themselves. Uh, oh, here we go. Here's the climate change one. Uh, 486. Perry Gooding Crane. Prohibits the use of funds for promotion of sustainable building materials including low embodied or no carbon concrete or asphalt. I guess that's why the Germans were sticking their hands to the ground or net zero emissions construction. So no green new deal for housing. Make sense? Yeah. Interesting. Here's another I, one, I can't comment on that one. I don't know too okay. much on that. All right. So when you say you can't comment, it sounds like you're restricted from commenting. Uh, you might want to say you don't know. Uh, which is probably better because then they'll give a clearer impression. So when I, when I hear can't okay, comment, yeah. it's, it's not a security thing. So we should make that disclaimer now for the rest of the show or for the previous part of the show that when Catherine can't comment, it's, you know, it's like, I would just say, I don't know enough to comment or something like that. All right. Here's okay. another one. I don't, I don't know enough to comment. There you go. 500 prohibits the use yeah. of RTD and E funding on electric vehicles, electric vehicle chargers, and photovoltaic technology. So they don't want the, uh, the military to go electric. That's a good idea. 
I agree Here's with one. that. Yep. Next one requires disclosure for uh, records relating to Afghanistan. See if I can get you a good few. I, I don't want to do the ones we've already done. Requires. Here's one. 1008. Requires DOD within one year produce documents and after action reports for. Oh, this is a big one. Yeah, this is one that's been in the news. Requires DOD within one year produce documents and after action reports. You can tell me what those are for decisions surrounding the evacuation of Bagram Air Base, the Abbey Gate suicide bomber, the airlift, and follow on movements. This is where we need Mason, actually. Follow on movements of those airlifted and any efforts to stymie non USG American groups attempting to extract. AMCITs, LPRs, or Afghan allies from Afghanistan. In other words, they want accountability for what happened during the surrender. I don't know what all those acronyms mean, I can guess. But those would be our translators, our, our folks that were helping us there. All the people that were brought in, you know, filling up the C-17s. You know, we didn't have people falling off. They would, take, they would hang out of the outside of the jet thinking they could go anywhere and they'd fall off and die. It's tragic. Is there any real accountability? Has there any been accountability for Afghanistan? Do you guys talk about that at all? Is that something you either can or don't know about to comment on? Uh, it's not talked about as much as it should be. And that's all I can say. Okay. All right. Another DEI one. Another affirmative action one. Ah, here we go. 1556 prohibits DOD from carrying out Biden's climate change executive orders. <laughs> that's Chip Roy. Chip Roy is one of my heroes. That's funny, because he just calls him Biden. Isn't he president? Right? He just says Biden prohibits DOD from carrying out Biden's climate change executive orders. Did you? Do you remember that military? Were you affected by that at all? Were they? Not that I can immediately recall. No. Okay. Requires here's another one. Late revised one fourteen ninety eight requires a report on U.S. assistance to Iraq popular mobilization forces, and if any of these funds have benefited any member of a foreign terrorist organization. So we're still funding Iraq. Just out of curiosity, why are we still funding Iraq? What is the popular mobilization force? I mean, Saddam Hussein's gone. What's what's? Uh, how much do we have there? Do you know? I don't think we really talk Negative. about that too much. Okay. Uh, oh, here we go. The amendment, this is 1575. This is a good one. A lot of sponsors. The amendment would pre- prevent the DOD from purchasing data that would otherwise require a warrant. In other words, you can't do you know, warrantless searches, uh, court order, or subpoena. This applies to data inside the United States. So is the military, oh, you know what we never talked about? Military intelligence. Are they spying on American military personnel, American citizens? Are they cooperating and doing spying that maybe the FBI is prohibited from doing, or maybe the CIA is prohibited from doing? There's another question you might not be able to answer. How much spying do they do? I don't know enough do? to answer that. Yeah, I don't yeah, know enough no. to answer that, Greg. Okay, so that would be a key report for you and Mason. How much domestic spying does the military intelligence agencies do? And do they cooperate with FBI, CIA, DIA, any, any of these other 17 agencies? That we should reveal. Hmm. 1143 is a pay raise. 1298 is orderly closure of Pueblo Chemical Depot. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, 1423 prohibits support for the Joint Chief Joint Staff Civil Disturbance Cell of the National Military Command Center. Man, I don't know what that is. I'm kind of losing patience myself. I've had enough of this. Let's see if I can find a really good one. 
Uh, here's another one. Requires energy project applicants reviewed by the military, aviation, and installation assurance, sitting clearinghouse to submit foreign agent, that'd be FISA, and full disclosure. So we're not really uh, investigating our foreign um, workers and consultants and uh, visa holders and employees, are we? Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about uh, that to comment on that one either, Greg. Uh, Sorry, some of these okay. uh, some of these things right. look a little bit more foreign to me, but still go through them. Here's one. 64. We're almost done. Adds a sense of Congress that defense intelligence, which we were just talking about, sharing between the U.S. and the Republic of Korea, Japan, and Taiwan is crucial for identifying and countering the, uh, the malign activities of China and North Korea in the Indo. Pacific, that'd be the Indian Ocean and Pacific Ocean, for those of you that don't speak abbreviation. What's going on? Add a sense of Congress. I don't understand that wording. That's like a resolution. So in other words, it's not a law. It's not binding. It's, it's It's like a poll. Add a sense of Congress that defense intelligence sharing so in other words, what our defense intelligence agencies as part of our military, Air Force intelligence, Navy intelligence, Army intelligence, Marine intelligence, sharing between the U.S. and Korea, Japan, and Taiwan is crucial for identifying and countering activities of China and North Korea. So are Korea, Japan, and Taiwan sharing our stuff with China? Maybe for a price or something. I don't know. I don't know so what, either. Uh, so this is this is very confusing. All right. So this is one we don't know. Uh, establishes 384 establishes a fence on OSD travel. This might be you. Until DOD submits a plan to provide the transfer of certain excess coastal defense. All right. No, I can do that. I think we're almost done. Is there anything left that's really interesting? Oh, here we go. 693. Skip down a bit. Uh, requires Secretary of Defense to provide a report to Congress within one year of enactment on the extent to which communist China, this is going back to the start, remember, uh, has benefited from taxpayer-funded research. This report would include a list of the United States government-funded entities, such as research, research institutions, laboratories, and institutions of higher education, that would be universities. Uh, institutions would be um, EcoHealth Alliance and, and DARPA and things like that, laboratories, and all those people, which have hired Chinese nationals or allowed Chinese nationals to conduct research, including an estimate in the number of nationals hired or involved in research projects. Wow. That's a big one. Yep, that's, that's pretty wordy. That's, uh, that has very alarming implications that, that, it, that it has to be you know, in this. Again, why isn't it already? Why don't they? Why isn't it already required that the Secretary of Defense provide a report to Congress to the extent in which right. Communist China has benefited from our research? I'll just stop right there. You can say the rest of it. Just right there. How much has China benefited? How much have they stolen? How much has our government allowed to be stolen? That's huge. And just a couple more here. Oh, here's the last one. Let's, let's go 615. Uh, and again, thank you so much for, for going through this. This is, this is the nerdy stuff that no one wants to cover, but it really it affects so many people. I mean, all these, rep, all these amendments on China that nobody in the news is talking about are, are staggering. But it shows that Congress is actually doing their job or trying to. So, in the, so when you hear in the news, the Democrats, you know, Democrats are trying to stop the Republicans from ruining our defense. No, that's not true. We just proved it. We just proved exactly what's in the amendments um, to this entire bill. 615 requires a report by the Secretary of State 
in consultation with the Secretary of Defense. Oh, boy. That's Blinken and uh, what's his name? Winken, Blinken and Nod. On efforts to dissuade allies from purchasing Russian and Chinese weapons. Are our wow. allies purchasing Russian and Chinese weapons? Your question is our question. It's all of our questions. Okay. So here's another question. Are our allies with our weapons selling our weapons to Russia and China for money mm. or for Russian and Chinese weapons? You know, the new uh, Chinese stealth fighter looks remarkably like our F-35. Yes. Yeah, they have except, a lot they put, of, uh, except they put more powerful engines in it. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the Action Radio oh. Special Investigations page. I have a whole article on the, uh, the Chinese F-35. Gee, how they get that so fast? What an amazing coincidence. Right. We have an F-35, and then they have an F-35. In fact, if you take a look at Russian and Chinese aviation, um, we built the Concorde. They built the TU-144. Remarkable coincidence. We had the 707. They had the 707. We had the 727. They had the 727. You know, Britain built the VC-10. They had the VC-10. You know, you look at our airplanes. Uh, there's uh, pretty much everything we have, they have. And the only way they could get it that fast is steal it. So that's what this is all about. But Russian and Chinese weapons. Well, uh, do we have uh, – it's kind of a fun question. Did you ever see um, – or squadrons available? Could you use AK-47s, for example, in the Marines? Could, is the question could we use them or did we use them or what? Well, let me ask both. Could you or did you? We ever issued I'm not you know, foreign military rifles like AK-47s? I mean, because they work. They're good, you know. Negative. No. No, I was you always, It was always U.S. weapons. Yes. Okay. Just curious. So I wonder which allies are, are purchasing uh, Russian and Chinese. Well, who just bought a bunch of stuff? Was it Turkey that just bought uh, Russian stuff? These quasi-NATO countries, these kind of like, like Muslim NATO countries, other places where they're, they're sort of NATO, but they're sort of not. They're kind of allies, but they're not exactly. They're sort of on the fence. I think India, a long time, and, and you know, Pakistan, also, but India used to buy Russian weapons and Chinese weapons. Hmm. Huh. Okay, well, I'm done. <laughs> we, we, finished, we actually got through it. Yeah, anyway, we got through just, it. Yeah, let's give ourselves a round of no, applause. So many, so many mm-hmm. important questions raised and asked. Um, again, uh-huh. I wish I could contribute more. Some I didn't know. Some I'm not at liberty to say, but the fact that a lot of these amendments even have to exist is very alarming. So, Well, feel free to share this show and, and tell people, yes, it's long. Yes, it's detailed. Yes, it gets kind of nerdy. Uh, and yes, there's a lot of things we don't know. You know, a lot of times the value is in just asking the question. You know, this is the kind of thing that should be shared with members of Congress, uh, certainly with the media, because they're not looking into this, you know, big media. And they won't. Um, they're paid not to. You know, Pfizer was rumored to have paid, uh, what's his uh, Anderson Cooper, $9 million of his $12 million salary. You know, if you look at any of the newscasts on the leftist news, they're all sponsored by Pfizer. You know, they're not going to report anything that we report in terms of uh, vaccines. The fact that, that no vaccine entity uh, that was giving them out tested for, you know, uh, pre-immunity. That's malpractice. That's That's, you know... How can you, why would you do that? If you're a doctor or a nurse or, a, uh, or even a pharmacist or anybody, even an employee, you know, giving out the COVID shots, wouldn't the first thing you would do test for immunity to see if it's even necessary? 
mm-hmm. basic questions. Yeah, in other words, why would you give, you know, a chemical ex- experimental chemical uh, to otherwise normally healthy people that already proved they're healthy? Because you got a pretty extensive physical if you get in the military, right? Yeah. So you already proved you're healthy. So you've already probably proved you're immune to COVID, and yet the insanity of pushing this uh, experiment. Well, did you ever look into? From my last question, did you ever look into the uh, the Gulf War syndrome, uh, the anthrax vaccine? Uh, and that whole thing. Not much, not enough to be able to um, comment on it well, right now. Just for yourself, you might want to look into it. Look up a chemical called squalene. Squalene mm-hmm. is an adjuvant. And an adjuvant, as you probably know, is like an octane booster for vaccines. It makes them stronger, and it makes them stronger more cheaply. Uh, I think aluminum is also put in, which is what causes people think um, – Dementia. But uh, Gulf War syndrome, I have some old materials on that I might be able to send you. But the parallels, the requirements to take uh, an anthrax vaccine, um, I think led directly to Gulf War syndrome. And what's so fascinating about it is that a lot of people who weren't even in the Gulf came down with Gulf War syndrome. Why? Because they had the anthrax vaccine and it had that chemical squalene in it. Um, that uh, they think caused the problem. And of course, other things in it as well. But the parallels are very striking between how the military dealt with the COVID shot and how the military dealt with the anthrax going to the Gulf War. So you're looking at 1990, you know, 2000 and a little bit, whenever Iraq was the big one. I don't think it was so much a problem in Afghanistan. I think they stopped it by then. But look up Iraq, uh, Gulf War syndrome, and the anthrax vaccine, and you'll see some amazing things, and squalene. On that note, anything else for us? I'm pretty much done. This has been a wild show. Well, thank you for having me on, and... Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't contribute all that much. No, but, no, no. Uh, just hearing, Don't just worry hearing about you go through. Yeah. Hearing you go through all the all the items was definitely insightful as well. You you gave me some insight that you know I I wouldn't have been able to conjecture on my own. Well, that's why I wanted you here. So you never worry about what you can't contribute. You know, I always value what you can contribute, and I don't know is a perfectly valid answer. Because that just causes us to ask more questions. You'll notice how many times we talked about, well, we can take a look into this. Or where did this come from? I mean, this show is this show is a workshop. This is not an interview show. This is not a pre-planned, pre-scripted, you know, uh, thing just to generate ratings and sell advertising. That is not what this show is about. Never has been. It's always been about inquiry, about about having a workshop, whether we're writing legislation or talking about other legislation or analyzing the bill as we did today and really going piece by piece, you know, through it and asking the questions nobody else seems to be asking. That's what we do. So never having an answer for me is never a problem. In fact, I would rather you told me that you don't know or that you're curious or that it's something you can't tell me for, for security reasons or anything else like that. Those are all perfectly valid answers. I never require anybody to have an answer. In fact, I'd rather know what you don't know because now then it makes me even more curious. Make sense? Right. That's fair. Yeah, definitely would provoke curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mason, I want to get you both on. <laughs> it is a good time for you. Uh, 8 o'clock Central Time Friday, I have a free hour right after Derek. Um, but I have other hours during the week, too, so you guys can chat. Catherine, thank you so much. Any, any other message, any update you want to give on, on uh, uh, your situation? Uh, feel free. And then we'll uh, shut it down for this week. I'll play some ads and a couple of announcements, and uh, I'll start work to work on Monday's show. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, all I really have the latest update, I have federal court coming up soon for a trespassing charge, um, trying to put my give, send, go um, out there, but it's, it's a little stagnant right now, but okay. I'll, I want you to know and all I want you, all your listeners to know is that I'm still fighting and, uh, you know, the fight's not over, so I can send you the link to that soon. Um, sure. But yeah, just to prayers to just prayers from your audience for my whole case and situation. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, but uh, yeah. once, you're done, once you're done with this fight, I got like 10 more for you. <laughs> so we have, we, have plenty <laughs> things, we have plenty of things to keep you busy for the rest of your life, Catherine. You know, so uh, and have no fear, you know. yeah, yeah, I think so too. All right. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Have a great weekend and uh, we'll talk soon and uh, see what we can come up with maybe for a report for you too, maybe next week. Thanks very much. Sounds good, Greg. Thank you. Right. God bless. God bless you too. All right. That's it for this week. Uh, this has been pretty incredible. I, again, I never know exactly where these things are going to go when I start off. Um, but, uh, you know, you get good people and uh, let them go and amazing things happen. And today we got a call from Mason. I had no idea he was going to, I didn't know who he was until he, uh, until I screened that call and we went from there. I'm going to play a couple more things for you all. And then I'll play my, uh, my traditional end of Friday music, the 1812 Overture for a minute. I always have a classical music selection at the end. Uh, and I'll be back Monday morning. We'll do it all again, 7 a.m. Central Time. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Gravecare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy.
Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.